Listen, you smell something? Human emotions are materializing in the form of a viscous psychoreactive plasm with explosive supernormal potential. What a discovery, a psychoreactive substance. Do you know what this equipment is used for? Boggle or Super Mario Brothers? We'll have fun! Yeah! They're still doing a really quite good work there. My friend, don't be a jerk. We've got no choice. Call a Ghostbusters. Super Jackpot! Welcome to the Extraplasm Podcast. It's the only podcast that runs around in Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed with its TeamSpeak mic on yelling, Welcome to the Extraplasm Podcast at people as it tries to kill them. Uh, I'm Jim Maritato, your host, also known as Vic Maniac on the internet, uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, and now on Epic Games, on uh, PlayStation Network, on Xbox, and a variety of other places where you might see me running around as a level 77 ghost as of this week because I have no life and too much video game experience at this point uh joining me this week uh for the entire show as a co-host and laughing in the background at my ridiculousness is uh one <laughs> of my favorite people to chat with from the yes have some group but also just well known to many of us as an outstanding artist in the ghostbusters community and in general he's not just like no you only make ghostbusters art uh but john your is joining us on the show today john your how are you doing hello hello i'm doing really well i'm happy to be here and uh, thoroughly entertained by how creative you get with the introductions for the show. <laughs> <laughs> this week is a cop out. I am like literally retelling a story that uh, I just told you a minute ago about running into other pe- personalities from our community in Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed and just uh, just unleashing parts of podcast on them. Just I, my, my other favorite one is to win a round and then just turn into Ernie Hudson for a moment and go super jackpot. Like I'm in the pinball machine. Uh, <laughs> I want to put together a whole soundboard of it. So I just oh react. That'd be amazing. Um, yeah, uh, it's my favorite. You know, I'm not much of a first person gamer, you know, so for me, TeamSpeak has not been a thing. And having your podcasting equipment connected to the same computer that you're gaming on means that you can just push a button and be like, oh, well, now I have podcast quality audio that I can just blare <laughs> into the TeamSpeak environment with everyone's $9 uh, terrible solution they got down at Target. So Um, but (laughs) surprise podcast. Yeah. It's a surprise in the middle of a video game podcast. Like we, some of us broke out into a discussion about real ghostbusters episodes on TeamSpeak the other night in the middle of playing. And I was like, this is awesome. Also, these people are going to respawn and be gone in five minutes. Uh, so (laughs) like, I'm going to do it. It's going to be like speed podcasting, like speed dating. But, uh, but thank you for coming on the show. I'm really happy to talk to you. Um, because I, for anyone who is a member of the Yes Have Some Forum over the last few years, they may have seen this, the uh, books that you and I have collaborated on in the posts that we would write to each other where you yeah. would write something that was like <laughs> two paragraphs and I would write something that was four paragraphs. And so it's nice to talk to you and supposed to type to you. So thank you for coming. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. We're going to we're going to talk about a few different things today. I definitely want to talk about you, your art. Um, a story of the time you saved Ghostbusters Fan Fest that many people may not know. Um, but before we get into some of that, um, I have a quick question for you, which is a weird one. Okay. So you're John Yurkaba 4, correct? Yes, that is correct. Yeah, the 4th. So I, I was like, do you go by the 4th or do you go by 4? How do you how do you conceptualize that verbally? Oh, I the 4th. I honestly, like I, 
I rarely ever use it. Not because like it like it's I'm trying to like not make it a part of my name. My dad yeah. is the third. My grandfather is junior. And, and that's how it's always been, I guess. But have uh, like, growing up, my mom would refer to my dad as Big John and me as Little John. And, uh, you know, my friends usually only know me and not my dad or my grandfather. So to them, I'm just John. But um, some people like. Uh, our friend Ryan Dole see the four and decide that that needs to be a part of my name and start calling me chapter four or part four. So I asked you this you know. question because I have the similar thing of having like a, my, you know, my, my dad has the same first name as me, but we have different middle names. So we went through okay. like, I answered all kinds of different things to my family. Like I am, gotcha. I am Jim. I am never, I won't say the thing I never want to be called because somebody will actually go in there. Between them. Yeah, that's how the internet works. Um, but like the weirdest thing is like, they just called me Jay as a kid and I just got truncated okay. down to other things because you need to distinguish and like having, like saying any of the actual long form stuff would be difficult. But my question for you is like, have you ever considered just choosing like John Yurkaba, the revenge or like, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, that's that's never occurred to me. That that's that's a new one. I do remember for a hot minute, I always thought like if I have a kid and it's a son, and like I end up wanting to name him John Yurkeba the fifth. Yeah, like I I would always imagine a scenario where like you know wife goes into labor, I'm in the delivery room with her, and I have like friends or family or whatever in the waiting room waiting to see like you know how everything goes, and then I would come out. And just be like, Johnny Five is alive. <laughs> um, Speaking yeah. of which, the, apparently that's going to be for sale at Prop Store. Um, so oh, John, that's pretty cool. Hero Johnny Five from Short Circuit One was revealed. Uh, I was thinking it was untested the other day. And Adam Savage was like, look, it's Johnny Five. Uh, but nice. Yeah, you could. You totally could have a Johnny Five. Most people like to add to my name. Like people like to assume that my name is Jonathan. And it's yeah. not like it's always just been J-O-H-N, but I still like not in any serious way, but like I'll have friends that when they're trying to like make a point or get my attention or, or be serious, they'll be like, Jonathan. And I'm just like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, that's not my name, but I understand your intensity. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I asked you this not to be picking on your name as much as I always see that the four after things and people have joked about it for years. And they're like, if I had the opportunity, that would be where I would just replace the four with some tagline from a movie <laughs> like John Yurkaba, The Reckoning. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, technically, there's been four Ghostbusters movies, so I could be John Yurkaba yeah. Afterlife. So. <laughs> no, don't be John Yurkaba Afterlife. <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> hi <laughs> i'm hoping to no that's be here be john yakeber be john yakeber live that's you know <laughs> oh um oh, we should probably talk about ghostbusters headlines to start the show i guess um, sure so let's do that let's get into some ghostbusters headlines for this week still making headlines all across the country the ghostbusters are at it again today the entire eastern seaboard is alive with talk of incidents of paranormal activity on in topic today ghosts and ghost busting extra plasm read all about it ghostbusters headline coming at you 
All right, so getting to Ghostbusters headlines, we're gonna start out with something that is a little less of a headline and a little more of a review, and then it'll tie into a headline, and that is that Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed has released. It has been unleashed, you might say. Um, and if you have not yet played the game, uh, the game is fantastic. Uh, full disclosure, to be in compliance with FCC guidelines as per the email that I received, I will turn into Dan Aykroyd and tell you that I received this game as via a review code. Uh, there you go. So I did receive a review code <laughs> For this for Elphonic, but to be fair, I had totally pre-purchased it also. The game is very good. Uh, if you have not gone and watched gameplay footage and all these things, Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed is now available on PC via Epic Games. It's available on PlayStation uh, Network. Uh, it's available on Xbox, so you can go out and get it. Uh, the retail copies of the original of the regular version, the original flavor, are available. The collector's edition was unfortunately pushed back until October 31st. So I would say that if you're a deep enough collector that you should just knuckle down and buy another copy you can get now. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> you spend $100 on this thing right now. You support it. That's what you're supposed to do. Uh, you're listening to this podcast and you will make sure that you pay at the door for the ghost busting. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're here. Anyway, uh, so I want to talk a bit about the story of the game since, so spoilers, uh, if you are kind of person who wants to remain spoiler free at this point, uh, you may want to zoom ahead to another point in the podcast where we're not talking about this. I'm not going to give you a time code because this is not Spaceballs the movie and uh, these podcasts <laughs> are not done being recorded before they're even in the iTunes yet. So, um, but zoom ahead if you need to. Okay, John, ready to talk about uh, Ghostbusters uh, Spirits Unleashed, the story of it and spoil things for people? I, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. So I'm excited about the fact that they made a game that allows us to continue after Afterlife. After Afterlife is going to be such an annoying thing to say forever. <laughs> it's cool because it sets up um, a narrative universe that doesn't have to rely upon the prime universe. Like it can be in its own little mm -hmm. pocket with its own characters. And even if the teenage kids who were in the movie are not present, it's okay. Yeah. No, I, I a hundred percent agree that I've always felt kind of outcast among Ghostbusters fans sometimes because I have always wanted the kind of forward momentum and introduction of new elements that things like, you know, back in the day, the original video game had and then also, you know, Ghostbusters Afterlife had and now Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed, where it's like, you know, we've got new characters. It's set in the present. It's this. It's this. And especially with Ghostbusters Unleashed, because now it's like things are up and running that like this is it's not Ghostbusters 2 where like after Afterlife things went silent again. And now we're reopening for another time. This is like, yeah. no, we. We reopened at the end of the last one, and now here we are. We're, we're firing on all cylinders. And I love that it is, like you said, it's, I think, I think people get a, really wrapped around the axle about what is and isn't canon and mm -hmm. what, you know, should and shouldn't matter. And to me, like, there's no reason to not, like, like, this can be canon. There's nothing that happens in this that changes everything we know about Ghostbusters forever. And we could easily start the next movie and find out that, you know, in the time between afterlife and when firehouse starts mm -hmm. that they've had interns that have come and gone 
and maybe everybody that we see in this game are some of those interns. Right. Like it's it it can it has the freedom to have fun and to just tell a fun story and lean all the way into that and get everything that it can out of it with new characters and new ghosts and new new gear, new all that stuff. But do it in a way where like even if those exact things are not in the next movie, it doesn't immediately make you go like, oh, well, none of this counts. And I love (laughs) that. I love that they find I want that to be kind of like the the standard operating procedure for the franchise of like everything is vaguely in canon with each other. There's nothing that cancels each other out. Right. But there's no reason for the next thing that happens to specifically reference very specific things that happened before, you know, in the in the previous thing, unless it is some kind of ongoing story. To not to steal the analogy from you because you used it earlier and I've heard other people use it, but like the concept that it feels like a real Ghostbusters episode like in how it's set up, like the characters, you know, and in this case, the characters are voiced by two of them are voiced by people, you know, who have voiced those in the movie. But the yeah. setting, the you know the game, the, the characters who were in it, it's all it's all, all all sort of kind of like um, a quick 25, 30 minute narrative that fits together right. nicely and can exist in its own universe in that way. But I will say this: there's one thing they did that I really appreciated, which is there's always pieces that try to shut up the fandom in terms of the things they keep yammering about and inconsistencies <laughs> that people will try and write into right. things, and I love that. Um, and that's not to be mean. That's not to be like, hey, I am I'm, I am a fan. I yammer about inconsistencies all yeah, the time. But it's, yeah, you got to be able to laugh at yourself. Yeah, there's one, though, that they definitely threw in there, which is that in his in the very first monologue that Ray is giving your character as like you've showed up and you're supposed to be showing up for training and you're supposed to be on time and you're 15 minutes late to work because Ray has caught you inside of Ray's occult books and he's just rambling at you about how it used to be in the 80s and all these things. And <laughs> at one point he's like, and now we have this firehouse back. And before it wasn't one point owned by a high-end coffee chain, but they decided to abandon. So he like literally fixes the narrative, the inconsistency where everybody was like, wait, in Afterlife, Ray said that the firehouse was a coffee shop now, but at the end, Winston walked in and it's completely empty. How could it be a Starbucks if he... <laughs> So this, the yeah. game in its first 90 seconds or whatever, like turns around and says, hey, 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 yeah, it was Calm a down. Starbucks. <laughs> it was a Starbucks. Yeah. It went out of business. <laughs> it was not a successful Starbucks. Occasionally that happens. Um, and then they, bu- you know, we got the building back. So which, you know, by the why- same token, by the same token, uh, thinking about it now, I think it's kind of amusing that they still didn't explicitly show us like but look the ecto 1a is parked out back <laughs> <laughs> well but i think as funny as the ecto 1 is parked in the garage and it's back to all fixed up and looks perfect again and i want to yeah. be like yeah that's pretty that's pretty quick where'd you source all those 59 miller meteor parts because oh, i wouldn't tell you in real life there's some people who have some builds that are not done right now because they need some glass <laughs> like, yeah, well, so if you could let people in- know <laughs> They're not Winston Zedmore, who has uh, <laughs> who coined a small fortune in finance and uh, yes. and can just like, boom, let's get this done. <laughs> this movie, it's, totally it's movie logic. It's great. You need you need uh, ecto parts. We got ecto parts. <laughs> so honestly, Winston might be able to afford just having a custom like having them all custom made if he needed it. <laughs> We're going to talk about this, I think, in a few in a little bit, because I want to talk with you about where you think uh 
the future of uh, Ghostbusters goes when we talk in a Oof. little bit in the future, after we get out of this sort of headlines review section. So we'll talk about this game a little bit and then we'll do the rest of the news. But um, okay. I, I, th- I think that it's a fun, I think it's a fun experience. Um, if, for those of you who've like had the opportunity to jump in, it's a lot of fun to play. And I, I'm going to say something maybe controversial, but I think it's almost more fun possibly to play as the ghost than it is to play as a Ghostbuster because of the ridiculous okay. number of things that you can do as a ghost in this game. I never thought you'd be able to do this, but this is a thing I did during a match the other night. I was Slimer. I was being attacked. I slimed someone. After I slimed them, I then destroyed their proton pack and sabotaged it. They had thrown their trap out. Their trap was on the floor. I turned the trap off closed it so that it was no longer doing anything, picked the trap up, did a taunt at the people I was playing at, and then flew away. And I was like, this is the greatest. <laughs> I love this game. This is like trolling for people who like love to troll, but it's totally communal and allowed. You can be the one person yeah. who gets to troll everybody as you just pants them over and over again. And that's the point, because you're a ghost. And that's exactly what a ghost in the Ghostbusters universe would do. Like, that's what, in, in a real Ghostbusters episode, for sure, your ghosts are not doing lethal things. They're doing like slimy annoying hilarious things so couple that with team speak and the ability to not i don't like to talk like trash and curse people out because i think it's so awful but like just the this the the mockery is fun like the the, it's yeah and it's fun to get people together and do it so if you can i keep saying this i am vink maniac out on there if you find me if you add me on epic games uh feel free to do that don't come harass me that would suck uh but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, I'm you're gonna like, oh, go yeah? in and troll the troller. You like the trolling, huh? You said you like trolling as a video game. Well, then you opened <laughs> yourself up for that one, didn't you, podcast host? Um, oh gosh! But yeah, I'm really enjoying the ghost gameplay like a ton. It's just been so ridiculously fun to like just hide inside of stuff and pop out and scare people and like it's just yeah. really great. So, um, but. I don't know, getting, getting back to story, I just I think it's really good that uh that we're getting a feel for what episodic Ghostbusters might look like in the future too. You know, like yeah. Ghostbusters the video game, the 2009 game is very good, but it's very good because it served as a as almost like a stand-in sequel when we didn't have one. We got back principal yeah. cast, you know, and it needed it 100%. was like something we got and we we're like, oh, it fulfills a need we'd had before. Whereas this game is yeah. like I, you know, it's not it's not intended to be the sequel for a movie. It's intended to be it's, you know, an it's another day in the life of a Ghostbuster. Yeah. 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 It's it's cool. Like, I know a lot of people are like, oh, the the 2009 game was Ghostbusters three. I. I to me, it was always like Ghostbusters 2.5 because it yeah. did immerse you in like a a full length, like especially for a video game, like a full length, like you are in it and you are playing this story. But a lot of that story was like, let's revisit all the places from the first movie and the second movie. And it was almost like Ghostbusters 2.5, where it's like, hold on, we had some loose ends that led to, you know, tying up the last loose end end kind of thing. And it it was great. Like, that's not a complaint at all. But I love that this is like I could easily see this being a thing where periodically they release DLC or sequels or something that are just it feels like you're playing through another episode. They could release a, I mean, obviously not this year because it's coming out in the Halloween season, but like imagine next year there's a DLC that's just like 
they could do like a Sam Hain thing or something or like it's like that kind of thing where like they could just periodically give you here's another adventure to play through and continue to build on it. Yeah. And uh, and give you more things to do. And that's and what's kind of neat. Like yeah. they can do that without even having to really get those principal actors back to do it. You know, you can just kind of yeah. spin out of the characters you have. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, no, 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 you're good. And it, and it, even if they did want to get, you know, Ernie or Dan back, it's very much like, like it's not extensive. This isn't where they're reading through like 8,000 pages of script because it's like the 2009 video game where it's a very specific, like we need 80 different reactions for 80 different things and to record you like falling down and getting up and busting and reacting and all. It's like, no, you need, Dan to come in and read a few lines as the guy who's in the bookshop and Winston to have a few lines as the guy who's like, I'm just here to supervise, but I'll, you know, give you insight where I can kind of thing. Yeah. Everything else is the new characters Mm -hmm. and you can change them out all the time. Yeah. And you can do like the ADR work you basically need to do with the principal folks in a day, right? Like it's, yeah, you can be like, Hey, can you go to a sound studio near your house? And record yeah. those lines, right? And in many cases, you know, I mean, I don't, people, but I don't like, know video you know, games, but I, I would assume that, like but, there's not, there's not a, it's not as extensive as you might think some other video games are. Yeah. I mean, I'll say this. Uh, if you're a person who played the 2009 game, that's a very immersive experience where if you were to watch, if you can watch all the cinematics cut together on YouTube and it's like an over an hour of footage, right? And to yeah. be real, Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed, you're going to work through the story in about like the actual amount of content that you're going to see a story is not that long, right? You can go watch it on YouTube now if you really want to, if you don't want to play the game, but you'll probably work through by the time you get to level 20 as a Ghostbuster. And for me, that was within like, I don't know, six hours. So I played very <laughs> directly like, um, and to be fair, I played as a ghost heavily. So ghosts level up. They get a lot more experience per match because they're the one player um, on that side of the playing field as opposed to the four people who are divvying up experience on the other side of the playing field. So um, I will say that, you know, if you're looking for the immersive experience of like, oh, I'm playing through seven levels of story or whatever it was that we had in the last game, it's not that, right? It's definitely, you're going to play through uh, a few interactions. And a lot of it is like, it's not even levels. There are five stages, I think, um, that you're playing through or five or six stages that you're playing through, like a museum stage, a brewery, uh, a prison, um, a cruise ship. And I'm going to forget what the last one is right now, but um, there's another one and I'll think about it in a few minutes. But as you're moving (laughs) through each of these, you're haunting. There's a ghost who's in the environment. The ghost has three rifts. You have to go destroy these three rifts because the ghost can come back through them. So either you catch the ghost four times to win or you catch the ghost once and destroy the three rifts. However you get there, you're going to basically do four forms of busting per round. Um, And that is something where the story literally unfolds, where you come out of playing quick play matches for an hour. As you come out of it, you've leveled up enough. And so it's like, oh, before you can continue to do anything, you need to go and interact with this character to advance the narrative. And so, yeah, you're going to you'll move through it pretty quickly. But once you, I really think that, like, once you get out of the story mode, I'm not a heavy online game player anymore. I admit it. I'm in my 40s. Um, I, my, I, my computer is good. My reflexes are not what they were in my 20s when I used <laughs> to play, you know, Duke Nukem. And I'm old, right? Like I was around when Quake was new. Um, so like we did first person shooting on (laughs) dial up with like two other people. So I, for games like this, I don't necessarily have a great time because I feel like I'm not able to enjoy the experience. I'm not able to compete. 
But what I've really liked about this is the community of people who are coming in are not just traditional game players, but Ghostbusters people. And like, yeah. that's what is going to make or break this game in my mindset is whether or not Ilfana can continue to um, make accommodations and make adjustments and include the Ghostbusters fan community long term, as opposed to just appealing to gamers who are going to come and buy a product and interact with it. If that makes sense. Yeah. So no, that totally makes sense. And and it, from what it seems like it, it, like everybody's giving it pretty great reviews. Like, like people who are coming in from a gamer perspective, I, like yeah. I think everybody has kind of like a fond, you know, feeling toward ghostbusters and, all, like is entertained by the idea of like, oh, I'm going to be a Ghostbuster and like mm-hmm. you can make the character look like you and everything. And coming from the gamer perspective, like being able to do that and being able to do it with a game that is well made and, you know, checks all the boxes you want for an entertaining gaming experience satisfies that, especially because so many games these days, like the more popular ones are the online ones. That doesn't mean there's no like single player narrative games that aren't amazing. Right. But like there's a huge draw for online games. And the fact that like they can check that box and in, in that perspective, but also make it an experience that like even once you've played through that short narrative, you still have uh, an incentive to come back and keep playing because it allows you to turn on your console or your computer and play yourself wearing a suit that you get to like tweak <laughs> in a proton pack that you get to customize. Right. And you get to team up with people, whether you know them or not, and go have fun busting ghosts. Mm-hmm. Like it, it kind of reminds me on some level of like, you know, after I like back in the day when the Spider-Man two tie in game came out for the second Tobey Maguire movie. Yeah. I had that on PlayStation two and I beat it and it was open world. So once you finish the game, like it has a it has Bruce Campbell narrating and I remember him being saying something like, well, I guess that's it. The game's over. You can hang out, I guess, or whatever. And, and like literally <laughs> I I kept a PlayStation 2 and a copy of that game with me all the way up to like I was living in a dorm when I was in the Air Force. And I would come home from work after a long day and just like play that game having beaten it or I'm just like swinging through the city, being Spider-Man, saving people from falling off buildings, breaking up gang fights, like just just doing random stuff to kind of like be in it. Right. And I feel like this is that same kind of thing. Like you can play through this narrative and play through like that part of the game, but you're still going to have that incentive of like, I just want to hop on and be a Ghostbuster. And and that'll keep people coming back. What it reminds me of, and I Or, or a ghost. Yeah, I was I was on the end of this when I got engaged it. But um. There was a game called Star Trek Bridge Commander that existed mm-hmm. like, God, I want to say like 15 years ago at this point. And to my, from my point of view, it's the best thing they've ever made that was like, you are going to pilot a starship in the Star Trek universe and go mm-hmm. and engage in battles. Like there was an engineering department that you could ma- modulate all your power levels so you could put more power to shields or to whatever. It had all this crazy stuff in it you could do. And then the fan community built a mod for it called Kobayashi Maru. 
and it changed oh, no. <laughs> all the things you could do. Right. It was like it added like 40 new ships and the fan community created all these high resolution textures. And now it had a self-destruct feature so you could blow your ship up or like teleport onto another oh ship gosh. and take over by beaming <laughs> over and taking over stuff and uh, sending out shuttlecraft to go send and like coordinate attacks. And it was like all this super involved stuff that was built on like a rudimentary engine at first. And so to me, like yeah. I, I look at and part of it that I always loved about it was you would come back. And even though it was like, I mean, I was playing this game probably 10 years after it was released and it had all these mods. There was a community of people you would go and interact with even at two or three o'clock in the morning. Like here's a guy flying around a pimped out defiant that like, it's like, <laughs> yeah, let's go like go bomb some Klingons. This is awesome. Right? Like, so, yeah. <laughs> and you had like, you didn't have vo um, voice team speak, but you could like, you know, chat with people. And I would have these conversations like over two hours with random people on this game. Yeah. And to watch what's going on with the fan community around Ghostbuster Spirits Unleashed feels so similar to me because like the conversations I've heard on TeamSpeak even in the community are things like there were guys who were on last night and I don't know who you were. So if you listen to this podcast somehow and I was in your game, I'm not going mean, to talk out of turn and take your words and say them and steal them because this was the thing I loved. These guys were on this. They were like, this is so awesome. Like, look at all the upgrades we're getting, man. And I'm like, no, guys, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just got like a new PKE upgrade and like next guy's like, yeah, I mean, my proton pack has like this new coolant thing. Like, you know, what's going to be kind of cool when you go to cons, like there's going to be a lot more like video game packs. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so let me, dude, I don't, I can't remember if we've had this conversation. I know we might've gotten adjacent to it and I know I've had it with several other people. I love the Ghostbusters community to death. But those people like to build this. I say those people knowing that I'm one of them. Yeah, we all are. Those people love to build the same piece of gear over and over and over, over, and, over yeah. and over and over <laughs> and after the 2009 video game came out, I kind of had this moment of like, oh, cool. Maybe this will encourage people to like build more stuff and make yeah. it like, you know, kind of make it their own a little bit. And to some degree that happened. You had people building like the game packs and everything, yeah. but it was very much like, I just want to build what was on the screen if I'm going to change anything at all. And then you've had people kind of, you know, dabbling in like, oh, well, I want to make mine look real beat up and with like substitute parts like in mm -hmm. Ghostbusters Afterlife with Egon's pack. And that's really cool. Yeah. But I, I'm hoping like with this game, especially because it, it's, it's truly customizable. Like you had upgrades in the 2009 game, right. but everyone got the same ones. This one, you can really make that proton pack your own. Yeah. And I'm hoping that with this, and then it would be cool to see that kind of stuff integrated even to like, you know, whatever movies come next, whatever animated stuff comes next, comic books, all that kind of thing. Like see people really start to like, oh, okay, well, I want to do this to my pack because I know I'm going to go handle X, mm -hmm. Y, and Z. And and just like make it so that like Ghostbusters becomes a thing where like in universe, if you get hired, here's your base standard proton pack. But like go talk to whoever over in the shop. And if you realize right. that you want this part instead of that, we can make that happen and like see the, like the fan community and the cosplayers and everything really start to embrace like, you know, this proton pack is mine because it's like this and, and that kind of stuff. like that. That stuff excites me. Like yeah. when I build another proton pack, I want to build my proton right. pack. 
not just a proton pack. Yeah. And like, that's what's kind of interesting is that the game is kind of providing uh, this kind of plug and play. Like, here's a, you know, a cryogenic isolator. Like, and then it has like a description of what it does. But it's like you can choose things that you can add on to the pack that change its recharge rate and its stream length, like all mm-hmm. those kinds of things in the game. So, I, but I just thought it was so amazing. Like, I was so like touched in the moment. I just kind of sat on mute because I didn't want to be like, I'm going to blow up your spot on you guys right now and make you feel awkward. It's like, <laughs> I loved listening to the conversation between these guys in the game. We were running around yeah. just like, yeah, it's going to be cool, man. I'm going to build like a trap with some of these upgrades. And I was like, this is so awesome. Yeah. Like, every time we get something like new, that's... everybody's ready. It's so, it's so great. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, that's the part. Like, it's so great to like have stuff like this happening with Ghostbusters where we're we're getting more of this forward momentum. And that's, it feels like it gets to be a fresh jumping on point for new fans where it's like, everyone's always known Ghostbusters and sure, maybe there's not a lot to catch up on in the sense of like, you have to, you know, it's not star Wars where if you want to sit down and watch Andor, it's like, Oh, let me tell you (laughs) what is happening right now and where it fits. Right. Like you watch Ghostbusters one and two, you're basically set, but it's fun to have like a, a current, modern jumping on point that includes like young people. So there's like it it's it's a base level where everyone can come in and then like you feed them right into this video game where it's like you can be a Ghostbuster, literally make it look like you make the gear what you want to look like, make the uniform what you want it to look like, like make it yours, like to invite people in with a new movie and then immediately tell them now make it yours like that's maybe the smartest move that Ghostbusters could have made. Yeah. Like it's a good way to sort of take the narrative and be like, here's an opportunity participatory. And what I'm like, and I'm at some point we should like circle this back to a headline segment. Cause that's what it started as. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Welcome to this podcast. This if is, you've made it this far, you know how this is, how it goes here sometimes. Uh, <laughs> this is also how our, uh, our chats and our Instagram messages and stuff go. Yes. Like we'll like, be like, Hey man, did you see this? And then like, four scrolls later it's just like <laughs> and another thing <laughs> also have you had any bread recently i make bread like yeah it's so uh but and, and i don't mean to like close out the discussion as we can certainly talk about it more but i do want to make sure i no, talk no, no, about no. this part um in terms of things like dlc and customization they're looking for input ilphonic on what people want I kind of joked, like I said, I wanted to be on the beta test for this. Why can't I get on the beta test? And I've realized at this point that my brain is so old that it thinks that we still do that. Uh, that like a video <laughs> game comes out, but there's beta testing instead of like, hey, the video game is ready to go out and then we can just make ad- ad- updates and changes and adaptations yeah, patches to it. and stuff. Patches, changes, corrections, whatever it is. And I'm really excited because Ilphonics actually started asking for input from people about what they would like to see in the game. And Jared Gerritsen, who's the uh, head of creative and the chief creative officer at uh, Ilphonic has actually put out a tweet asking folks uh, for insight on what they would like to see added to the game in terms of customizations. So there's a, uh, a tweet that you can go find on his Twitter account, which is at Gerritsen, G E R R I T Z E N. I love when I spell things on this podcast. Um, <laughs> that I could probably link somewhere. Uh, but if you're taking, a, I would go take a look at his Twitter account and give him a follow if you're playing the game because he is readily looking at what the fan community is doing. He's following a lot of the customizations people have been posting that are kind of going viral. And he's openly said that they want some input via forms uh, to explain like what kinds of stuff we want. I know some people have come out and said they want beards that aren't one color. 
for instance, uh, <laughs> that you're either Santa Claus or you have a black beard, I guess. Um, so that's one of those things. Actually, as we've been podcasting, uh, update 1.0.2, which fixes a number of bugs and adds some additional gameplay changes, is apparently dropped, and the full details can be found on the Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed Discord channel. Uh, so if you go to discord.gg slash ghostbustersSU, uh, you can actually follow along with the folks who are making the game, and there's apparently a new update, which I have, my Epic game says is downloaded. Cool. Um, nice. I'm going to have more even less productivity than I've had for three days. <laughs> um, I'm kind of kidding, but <laughs> I've played a lot of this game when I probably should have been doing other things. Um, please don't hate me, anybody. Um, but anyway, the point being that the game still is out. The game's still getting updates. So if you're participating in the game now, I would go join that discord channel and at least just go look at the info page because there's some other useful stuff up there. Uh, if you're playing on PlayStation or Xbox or Epic games on PC, you are not stuck in your own ecosystem. There is cross play. And one of the patches that came out yesterday fixed some of the cross play issues. Um, so I, I would say though, you have to follow some pretty specific instructions about how to set up your Epic games account to ensure that it works. So if you go to the Discord channel that I just talked about, discord.gg slash ghostbustersSU, and you go to the info section of it, there are step-by-step instructions of what you need to do to correctly link your PS or Xbox account with Epic Games. And then from there, it actually works pretty well. Like I've played with a lot of different people on a lot of different platforms and um, it's been really enjoyable. So um, anything else we want to add here about John? John about the, um, not anything else <laughs> want to add here about John? No, um, Anything else you want to add here about Ghostbusters <laughs> Spirits Unleashed? Um, I would just really like to say that uh, I'm very excited that we have a uh, we have more Tobin content, because if you know me, you know, I'm a big that is maybe my favorite piece of uh, of Ghostbusters lore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get a little giddy anytime it's mentioned in the movies, in the animated stuff, in and now in uh, Spirits Unleashed. And it, it was really cool to have uh, Rahul Kohli uh, voice the character uh, in the unique way that he does in the context of the game. And uh, he's an incredibly talented actor. He's been in a ton of stuff. Uh, the Haunting of Bly Manor, Midnight Mass, and uh, you know, iZombie. He's a huge Ghostbusters him fan himself. And... Uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited that he is part of uh, I'm excited him and all the all the new voice actors and, and all of the people involved are part of the uh, Ghostbusters world now. But I I'm especially partial to uh, to John Horace Tobin. Uh, so that was very <laughs> exciting for me. It is kind of funny when you end up in the ghost world as a character, as a person. Like, How did you get here? It's just, it's very it's definitely chewing the scenery, but it's great. I love it. Um, yeah, I, I knew him from <laughs> iZombie. Really, that's what I knew him from because my partner was a big iZombie fan when um, that. I don't even that show's not still on, is it? I can't imagine it is. But no, no, that shows it's been over for a while. For a while but that that while. was also where I got to. That was also where I got to. Um, know him and, yeah. and was introduced to him as an actor. And and now that he's been in some other, like it, my, if you haven't watched midnight mass, it literally gets my highest recommendation. And that's not, I'm not saying that to fluff anyone's feathers. It's, <laughs> it's a brilliant show. It's, it's very, very well done. That's awesome. And, and, uh, Raul is 
amazing in it. Um, so I, one thing I wanted to say about his appearance in this, I know I touched on this in an earlier episode of the podcast. I'm not sure if you heard this, but, um, he had a really great line because he said that the collector's edition box, of course, is Tobin's spirit guide. And so he, uh, suggested that he was going to get it because it's the first action figure of a character that he's ever had. <laughs> I was yeah. like, well, it's true. There are no I zombie action figures. Um, they didn't, they didn't think they were Funko pops, but I don't think they were action figures. So, um, I don't know. So I don't, there were, I think there were, I think one of them was eating brains. I think I had to buy this for someone, um, as a gift. <laughs> pretty sure. I think there might've also been Funko pops for midnight mass. Yeah. Or, or I might've seen like a fan made one or something. So maybe this tells us a bit about what Rahu Kohli feels about, uh, about Funko. <laughs> it's like those oh, are not man. action figures those are uh something else um but uh, yeah i i think uh, we, if we talk about it for too long we'll summon the yes have some crew we well we'll summon we'll summon some very toy anxious people um we'll, we'll leave it at that so um which we love toy anxious people on this podcast so let's talk a bit <laughs> about then uh, a different we'll kind of come out of the like 20 minutes to 30 minutes i think we spent on talking about this game which uh, <laughs> i hope that's okay with everybody because uh, it's the thing that's been going on. Uh, it's a it's a thing. Yeah, it's, it's a thing. topical. Uh, a smaller story, but also in the realm of Ghostbusters media. On the day that this podcast released, uh, will release at least because it's the that's not the future yet. Uh, ESPN will be doing their Ghostbusters themed uh, episode of what's called Peyton and Eli's Spooky Adventure, which, as I understand it, has something to do with a franchise of shows called. Uh, Places Universe, which is an NFL uh, funded and produced program that essentially goes and goes to different places and tells different stories about sports and originally had sort of a focus on NFL, but they've expanded the franchise out to different sports. And I guess the uh, plot of this is described to be that um, that the Peyton and Eli are um, Peyton Manning and Eli Manning are going and finding Jerome Bettis at the university of, no of Notre Dame or Notre Dame, or if you're going to, I don't know, be French. Uh, and they find out there's been a sighting of George Gibbs's ghost. Who's the most famous football player to have ever uh, gone to school there. And so they have to put on their ghost busting equipment to go and track him down. Um, so that is airing on ESPN um, on the 23rd, I believe of October. So it's something to check out if you're I, I don't even think you need to be a football fan for this. It's just three dudes in Ghostbusters suits chasing things around and talking about history, probably. So um, I'll probably watch it. It's on ESPN Plus. It's streaming. So <laughs> very cool. <laughs> something to check out in Ghostbusters media. And then if nothing else, it's something to talk about the next week. Uh, and yeah, my last little story, any, any comments, John, about that I don't know anything about sports. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to say anything I, more about yeah, this because I'm, I'm like, <laughs> it's on ESPN. My, if I know, like, I can watch a sports game and keep up with what's happening, but it is not something that I actively am aware of. I'll tune in for the NBA Finals and the Super Bowl, and that's usually about it. <laughs> yeah, like I, the only sport that I can pretend to have a a, a feigning interest in is one that happens on ice. Um, so I, I was raised in a hockey house, so I, that's where I roll. That's probably also why I right have on. so many emotional support Canadian friends. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but my, my sports expertise, uh, weirdly enough is probably fishing. I, that's awesome. As a kid, my, uh, my 
car seat spent more time strapped into my dad's bass boat than it did the car. And uh, that is something like my knowledge of fishing is seared into my brain. So even though I haven't been in a hot minute, I could probably still roll up to any body of water and know how to <laughs> tie all the knots, how to read the water, how to look for cover, how to figure out what the best bait or lure and presentation is, all of the fancy <laughs> casts to get it into small areas. That's hilarious. Like that stuff is just burned into my head. So two so two things I will would have to ask you this one. Uh does the Bassmasters joke in Ghostbusters 2 land differently for you then than it does for everyone else? It does. That has <laughs> always been something that to me and my dad, because like my whole family grew up like fishing together. But for yeah. me and my dad, especially like uh, that whole thing of like, it's one of my two favorite shows, like <laughs> literally growing up, I had just as many, you know, as a kid, like whether you did it or your parents did it, kids had like stacks of VHS tapes that were like, I got to record the new episode of the real Ghostbusters. Yeah. Well, I had half a cabinet full of VHS recordings of the real Ghostbusters and half a cabinet <laughs> full of VHS recordings of Bassmasters and Fishermen fishing with Roland Martin. Uh, you know, just every like Bill Dance outdoors, Hank Parker outdoors, <laughs> like just every fishing show that like you can think of. That's so amazing. it literally was like my two favorite show. That's so funny. <laughs> In other words, what you're saying is that real Ghostbusters for you is akin to being like Peter Venkman's psychic universe show. Right. Because it's like your yeah. two favorite shows are this and Bassmasters. <laughs> like, Pretty much. <laughs> I love it. Like my dad had a lifetime subscription to Bassmasters magazine. I I appreciate this. And, and one of the reasons I have a strange encyclopedic knowledge of Alaskan king crab fishing that I don't know how to get rid of. And not oh, because I've okay. ever done That's it, not, not because I've ever done it, not because I ever should. Um, but because when I was in, <laughs> before I abandoned my academic career of being a Ph.D. person and just deciding to teach instead as, you know, a, a, as a college professor, but not getting a doctorate, uh, I was I wrote like a 40 page paper. It was like a book chapter. It was all about the political economy and reality of the Alaskan king cat crab fishery uh, as depicted on the deadliest <laughs> catch, um, which oh the, my, I was going to say, is it just from watching the deadliest? Yeah, catch? no, it's straight up. It's like me doing analysis of deadliest catch episodes. And the weird part of deadliest catch th this week is very strange because outside outside of the baseball of this podcast, the king crab fisheries have crashed and all of the king, cra all the crab fisheries that are covered on the deadliest catch are closed. And like literally last season, most of them were too. So they had like these guys out fishing cod and filming that instead oh my gosh. because they can't fish <laughs> oh, crab. Wow. So, and like some of them went to Norway and they were doing a spinoff show about trying to hunt a new species of crab in Norway. Uh, so, oh but like what was real about the deadliest catch, it's weird. is like, but after the first season, no, Nobody died crab fishing for like for years <laughs> because the crab the crab fishery had like 230 or 240 boats or something in like 2005 when the first season of uh, the first pro like pr pilot season aired called like the deadliest season and so you watch mm -hmm. these boats like sink in a derby fishing style environment in like 2005 oh and afterwards the federal government comes in and is like whoa this is crazy we need to rationalize this fishery <laughs> we're gonna go to like 83 boats as opposed to 250 and we're gonna put out a quota system as opposed to this crazy derby style fishing to make the industry safer and to stop letting all these people die and what's the most dangerous <laughs> job 
so what do you do if you're the producer I mean, of Deadliest Catch, right? Like, yeah. shit. <laughs> like, it's just so all of the, the weird, like at one time it was the deadliest catch but so I ha- it's not yeah inaccurate. <laughs> it's not inaccurate at one point it was but like for real and i don't mean to like for real it's a hard job like i'm not trying to be like these no. guys are and, on a resort and, like you know. and it's good that they looked at that and were like oh maybe we should make this safer but it is yeah. kind of ironic that by turning it into a show they brought enough attention to it to be like oh we need to make it not that way. Yeah. Therefore the show cannot truly continue to be the deadliest. Catch. Right. But, it's, but like, and I, I'm like, how the hell what, we're on the ghostbusters podcast. This is what happens when John and I talk to each I, other. Yeah. Um, like we're talking, you about know what fishing. this is? I don't on my end. I know it's my ADHD. Cause like <laughs> I will, it, 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 it and I, that's not even a joke. Like I, no, that I is a, appreciate I this. have been diagnosed with it. And there are definitely times where like, if I'm talking with someone they and they are just as like hyped and enthusiastic to just go down every rabbit hole, yeah. then I'll be like, here's another one. Let's get Look, in there. We found another one. <laughs> Look, there's another mole to whack in here. Look at this game of whack conversational whack-a-mole. Look what just popped up. Oh, Boom. So yeah. so to uh to anyone listening who also has ADHD and uh is very excited to see where this conversation goes next, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> Stick around. And to everyone else, we are so so sorry. Yeah, if you're an appreciator of linearity <laughs> and conversation, I'm apologetic today. But, um, you know, it's been a very busy week and I'm excited to talk to John. So um, but for like to get back to what we were talking about, like I, the, I'll come off the, the, the deadliest catch thing. Um, I think that that kind of stuff, that innate knowledge about like how something like fishing works is so important because it's like what lets you suss out like, hey, is this real stuff or is this like some yeah. reality based <laughs> nonsense I'm looking at? Um, yeah. yeah. And I meant to use the word sus there as you're supposed to, as in to suss out, as opposed to that's sus, bro, uh, which is the weirdest expression in the world to me. I don't <laughs> understand it. Um, I teach college. Can you tell? <laughs> I say that all the time. It's so weird because like there are some things like I, I can definitely like I'm that guy who when I text you or when I message you, I will like use uh, you know, capital letters and full sentences and no abbreviations <laughs> and punctuation. And I have had like, like I have a niece um, on my wife's side who is, she's like 20 something now. And I remember when she was a teenager, she came and stayed with my wife and I for a little bit. And um, I, I can't, I texted her about something or I messaged her. And at one point, like, my wife was like, oh, yeah, she was worried that you were mad at her. And I was like, where did she get that from? She's like, well, you, apparently, if you use a period at the end of a, a message, oh, it Lord. makes it seem like you're just like, huh. And I'm just like, no, that's just normal. All right. I'm putting so this like in, I'm putting this in headlines now for real, even though it's not was not on the docket and is not Ghostbusters related. You can go Google this. There is an article that came out like this week. That's like the top 25 emojis that people over 40 should never use. Yeah, and, like, I've seen that one, too. And one of them was like, you should never use the thumbs up emoji. And I was like, why? I use the thumbs up emoji all the time. And it was like, people who are younger consider this to be sarcastic. And it's I'm like, passive aggressive. Are you telling yeah. me that the people, the millennial, sorry if you're out there. I don't mean to put you in a box. OK, I, I get oh, it. Oh, no, no. Like, hold on. Hold on. It's not us. No, it's not. Us. I get it. It's not the millennials. It's the it's the Gen Z. And here's the thing. I have zero issues with Gen Z. 
do your thing. If you point it out to me like, hey, man, I just want to make sure it's like you use the thumbs up. We're cool. Right. And I have to clarify. Yeah. And then between us, you're just, like I learned to not use the thumbs up. That's cool. That said, it does. It definitely catches me off guard when I see like what bothers them. And I'm like, that's very different. And what's so funny <laughs> is like that they've that they have used the thumbs up in such a sarcastic way. That when yeah. they encounter older people who are using it as the emotional confirmation, like that's what we use the emojis for. They just for. assume we hate each other. Yeah, like emoji. <laughs> the whole reason emoji sets exist is, oh, I'm in the dark now. Uh, my lights went out in here. Hang on. Uh, the, the whole reason emoji sets exist, right, is because uh, we needed the ability to communicate tone and confirm the emotional intent of a message. So we created things and then we went ape shit with them. We were like, you know what we need? We need a Thanksgiving turkey. We need a skull and crossbones. <laughs> we need a Jeep and we need a Nintendo system. Like we need an emoji for every single thing under the sun that just illustrates uh, interest. And we that like, sounds like a the symbol that set. Sounds like the it. ending of an that sounds like the ending of a, an episode of Keenan and Cal. Keenan, I need a Thanksgiving <laughs> turkey, a Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Ah, here it goes. But yeah, I'm sorry. I put this in the headline section. It is not Ghostbusters related, everybody. But I want to know what happens. Like, what do people think when I use the following three emojis together? Because I do all the time. Heart, ghost, no symbol. (laughs) These are the three emojis I use most other than thumbs up. Heart. Clearly, you hate both living and the dead. And then the no symbol, as in love ghostbusting. (laughs) Right? No, that that reads to me as like whether your heart is beating or you have passed away. I hate you. That's what that is. This was a headline segment, but it is. I don't know what it is. It's okay. Like this will be the pot. This will be the one where they were like episode nine, the one where they had voices. It may not have been the one where they found the podcast's <laughs> voice, but it, there were definitely this is voices for everybody involved. that has a really long drive ahead of them sometime soon. And they yeah. just they need voices to help them stay awake. That's what this <laughs> is. I hope not. I hope and if you don't have a long drive ahead of you and you need voices to help you fall asleep, we're here for that. Too. Yeah, I, I hope I hope we have it. All right. I, let's stop being apologetic about my own content. I'm <laughs> proud of what I made. Um, so let's talk about merchandise for a second. We talked about media. Um, one thing I think, hopefully by the time I, you hear this, they, they will not all be gone. This will still be useful information for you. If you wanted the New York comic-con exclusive Mondo release of Ghostbusters 2's original motion picture to score featuring the art from Paul Mann, uh, then that's still available. They had made 1989 copies of this because that's when that movie's made. Uh, and there was one available per customer at New York comic-con. They put the uh, extras up on mondoshop.com and they're $30 a piece. Uh, so it's a limited edition is exclusive to them. That'll only be available from them. And then it's gone to be clear. This is the motion picture score. So this is the Randy Edelman, like recently released score. It is not, um, the Bobby Brown featuring soundtrack or the, you know, uh, Dougie fresh spirit spirit, um, which I'm like, why isn't that song in spirits unleashed? Like that's, <laughs> it's also not on Spotify. Dougie Fresh, you got to cash in on the digital revolution. Uh, but yeah, if you want the motion picture score uh, and you want or an exclusive release of it, you can probably grab that. Comments, John, anything about the Mondo release? You good? No, I, I think it's very cool. And if you if you want it and you haven't had a chance to get your hands on it, it's it's here for you, at least for a little bit. As an artist, is this a thing that you think you'd ever want to do, like art album <coughs> artwork, like for uh Oh, 100%. Like is it 
if somebody came to me and wanted that for me, I'd be happy to do that, especially I, for something that I love as as much as Ghostbusters. Like if so and so banned from like wherever came to me and was like, you want to do some art? I'd be like, OK, let's talk. Like, what do you want and how much you're willing to pay and stuff? But <laughs> Ghostbusters is uh, is one of those things where as soon as it enters the conversation, I'm just like, yes, what's <laughs> what's happening? How can I be involved? All right. So everybody at Sony Music who just heard that, who's listening to this podcast, reach out to John Urkaba immediately um, and figure out how it is that you're putting out um, a combination of all of the scores <laughs> together, all of them released at once. Or how about the orchestral oh, the orchestral performances recorded or something? Yeah. So be good. <laughs> We're going to let's get give John work. Um, I demand it. <laughs> My voice matters. Well, well thank you. <laughs> this is the podcast where I figured out my voice matters. <laughs> Our next piece of merch news to talk about is Magnolia Clothiers has released uh, teaser images of a work in progress, which is they're going to put out real Ghostbusters uniforms. So if you are not familiar with Magnolia Clothiers, Magnolia makes like screen accurate stuff. They've been doing this for a long time and now they're off and running on recreating Ghostbusters uniforms. And if you've seen any of the original series ones, like the original movie ones out in the wild, they look great. Um, I've really, I've encountered like five different people who have them and they're awesome. But the new ones are like designed to be a real world take on the real Ghostbusters uniforms. And they look really cool. Um, Have you had a chance to take a look at these, John? I have. I also think that they're very cool. Um, I I love seeing people bring the stuff from the animated series to life. Um, yeah. And and it's really cool to see somebody like do a a uh, a take on the uniforms. What's nice about them is they're not just taking the same suit and dying it. Like that's been the old school mm-hmm. way to do this is you take an old like true spec suit that you have and you dye it to a different color and then make the suit like I know the guys from Buffalo Ghostbusters were doing that for a while and they looked really great. So that's not to put that down at all. But Magnolia's taking like moves here to change the cuffs so that they're Velcro based and things like on the feet and on the list. So it's like it replicates the feel of the um, original characters more or rather the cartoon yeah. characters more. The like trim on the uniform and whatnot. What I want to know. And, and that I do is, like. This is what I want to know. And most people don't ever think about this is that each of the real Ghostbusters has different stuff on their belt. Like they don't all mm-hmm. have the same belt gizmos and things. So, but I don't know if we've ever seen like those differentiated in any way as a prop. Cause the only place you ever really see it is on the action figures. Like the Kenner classics figures each have a different little thing attached to them. So be interested to see if Magnolia continues going down this road of real Ghostbusters props. Cause I'm like, will they do a PKE? Will they do, you know, other stuff that a lot of people were 3d printing, but um, I don't know. It's pretty cool. They stick to clothing mostly. So maybe they won't. Yeah. The thing the thing I do like and appreciate about these are there's a tendency when you're translating stuff from animation to real world to make it as like bright and colorful and cartoony looking as possible. Mm -hmm. And that's valid. Like people build that stuff and they're very happy with it or they make those suits and they're very happy with it. Sure. But I love that these are very just like they feel real. Like there's there's a mutedness about the color palettes that that it feels like those versions of the uniform just stepped into the real world yeah. instead of showing up and being like, look at us, we're a cartoon. Yeah. It reads as more real than it does, than it does costume. If that makes sense. Like, cause yes. I, when I think about 
like Spirit Halloween sells real Ghostbusters costumes, right? Like that you can buy mm-hmm. a Venkman suit or you can buy a Spangler suit, but those feel very like super bright, super, you know, like oversaturated. Whereas what they are showing from Magnoli looks a lot more like a, it would be screen screen accurate for a cinematic version of yes. it. You know, like that's exactly. If you were going to design the uniform for uh, a realistic <clears throat> movie that had the same characters in it, you know, that's what, yeah, like, and I, so. I would love to see, I'd love to see um, the gear handled in that way. Like, I'd love yeah. to see someone do like that same kind of aesthetic of like it is the cartoon version, but we're running it through like a, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, like a realism filter. Yeah, and uh, I would love to see someone do like the gear design from the show, mm-hmm. but do it in a way that feels like it has that like realistic sheen yeah like sort of the the i and what i like about it like because we're talking about it like it feels like it's real world but it Mm. doesn't have the um i'm gonna put it in these terms the 90s super saturated over like over the top version of a real like it's not batman forever (laughs) yeah for sure for sure it's not a schumacher uh version of real ghostbusters (laughs) Which I ne- I never wanted. It would have to have a giant spider in it. Obviously, um, that's the only thing you could do with that. But um, yeah, I I think it's really cool. I, I it's something I'm going to keep following because I have wanted to pick up a few new things from Magnoli. I want to like find some money and get a suit from them. That's one of their tan ones. And I kind of hilariously, I didn't buy their boots because like I don't need to get paranormal boots from them. I'll just get some secondhand <laughs> boots from Mercari and. Yeah, I got to go pick those up from the shoe repair place because I spent $50 on the boots in Mercari and then I went to a convention and the boots fell apart. And then I said, how much are it going to cost to resole these? And he was like, well, to put the same oh, soles no. back on $50. And I was like, what about to put oh, new geez. soles on? And he was like a hundred. And I was like, I basically could have just gone and bought boots. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but Seriously. I totally said like, put the, put them on, just go ahead and put the $50 ones on and fix them up. Cause yeah. um, they have the zippers on the side and I really like them. <laughs> and they're hard to find now. Yeah. But if you want to find them new and you don't want to spend money uh, putting boots back together like me, Magnolia Clothiers uh, will help you out. But I I think that if you're looking at what the cost of these might be, they don't really say that yet because they're kind of still, uh, you know, these are teasers. It's a preview. But the current paranormal jumpsuit that they sell with the name tags on it and everything is 225 bucks. which when I first mm-hmm. saw that, I was like, man, that's a lot of money. But when I think about how much money I've put into a true spec suit to get patches, get everything I need, um, you know, get a leg hose connector, get all that stuff. It's like, I probably put at least a hundred, $150 into it. And then I had to do all the work. So yeah, if you really get down to it. Two twenty five is not horrible, um, for what mm. they offer. Um, so, um, yeah, check out magnoliaclothiers.com. That's not a review cause uh, I haven't worn it, but by the, if you want to, I can do that. That's my next Magnolia Clothiers has provided this suit that I'm reviewing for the FCC. No, um, <laughs> jeez. <laughs> uh, last couple of things here, merch wise, uh, or the last thing merch wise to talk about. If you have a lot of money, Prop Store is going to run their London 2022 Entertainment Memorabilia Live Auction, and there are some interesting Ghostbusters items in it, in particular. There's going to be Peter Venkman's jacket uh, from Ghostbusters 2, the Titanic um, model that they used for the Titanic coming back that, of course, was better late than never. Uh, And 
some of the busts that they use for Slimer and uh, the Scolari brothers, like the maquettes that they used in design. I think there's also pieces of Slimer's right hand or something, but there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going to be going out through prop store at their London auction. I will not be buying any of this because I don't have lots of money. Uh, but I will say if you're a Ghostbusters collector who has some disposable income, it is worth watching these prop store auctions for stuff like this, because while things like a ghost trap that was screen used may go for a hundred thousand dollars or some craziness and go to a celebrity in a museum in Vegas, sometimes like the prop pieces, the display pieces, the maquettes, like they don't go for as much and they become a lot more attainable, you know? Mm. Um, so I don't know. It's something to think about if you're have the money, and if you want to own Bill Murray's jacket that he wore in Ghostbusters 2, it's going to be available. So um, of those things, John, which are you going to which one are you buying? <laughs> uh, none of them, because that is it's a little uh, rich for my taste. I'm very happy with my old real Ghostbusters figures that my parents collected for me when I was little and picking up uh, the newer stuff as it comes out. But digging deep into having, you know. Like that kind of stuff is if I had more money, then I could imagine wanting something like maybe one of like the the Slimer maquettes or something, because that that stuff that feels like, oh, it's part of the creation of like, you know, how how they figured out what the the ghosts are going to look like or how they like that kind of stuff is cool to me. It's almost like. You know, you can buy the the art and making of a movie and then you can have like a piece of that and it would be cool to have a piece of that. Um, so that's the kind of stuff that that appeals to me. Uh, yeah, if if I could, I'd probably get that. Yeah, I mean, I'm like one of the things that's in this lot that I'm looking at now is uh, there's like some promotional stills and things, but there's um there's an Ivan Reitman like annotated script. I don't know if it's his annotations, but it's somebody's annotations. I'm like, I want to know about that. Mm. I would want that just to go through it and read all the stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff in this auction. Um, there's terror dog concept art. So, I mean, I don't know. I want, I, I will never be able to afford any of these things, but every time they come up, I'm like, Ooh, I want that. And then I wonder who mm. gets like, who, who is the person who ends up with a lot of the stuff. But, um, Jeff Shrek. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm kidding, but okay. Um, I think that probably about does it for um, merch stuff. My last Ghostbusters headline thing I want to talk about is a community thing. Um, John, do you remember the old Ghostbusters franchise map? Uh, I do, yeah. The Ghostbusters franchise map is apparently coming back. So if you've never seen this before and you're listening to this podcast, there used to be a map on the internet that like had all of the different franchises and had all their different like badges and logos and things. And it was, you could be like, where's the Ghostbusters franchise closest to me? And I don't really know who was maintaining that. And some of it I think fell out of popularity at the point that Sony stopped really doing the official franchising thing that they did for a small period of time and then became a thing that people were like, we're an official franchise. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> about um but the windy city ghostbusters um member bob anderson has been posting about this and i've seen this also on ghostbusters news so to give jason some credit about covering this as well 
Uh, Windy City Ghostbusters member Bob Anderson and Jacob Bartlett of the Circle City Ghostbusters are trying to resurrect the map, according to Jason, uh, with submissions now available. If you have a Ghostbusters franchise and you want to be part of the Ghostbusters across North America map that they're putting together and updating, they're asking you to email them at ghostbustersmap at gmail.com with your franchise name, a high resolution logo file, the primary location, meaning the city and state or province of where you're located, and a link to uh, your website or social accounts. Um, and one thing that was in here was that there was a statement that apparently that they don't want anyone attempting to instigate drama or complaining about other teams being involved. <laughs> so if your intent was to message them and be like, why is this team getting given credit? Like, just don't bother because your team won't be involved, apparently, according to Ghostbusters News. Um, <laughs> I was like, you have to actually put oh, that man. in the announcement is screwed up. Um, but yeah, I, I this is a cool project. I think that... Um, the more resources that exist that kind of allow people to see like how to get in touch with people and who are fans in the area. Like this is a project that I think is really cool. Another one that I think of that's been, you know, what I talk about another point is Ghostbusters supplies has started up, which is like essentially a database about where to find the leg hose or where to find whatever it is you might need from different vendors. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. If yeah. you've never seen Ghostbusters supplies on uh, Instagram and they have, a, he's basically set up and I'm not, I don't mean to not know your name, Ghostbusters supplies person. If you want to reach out and talk to me sometime, I would love to. Uh, but Ghostbusters supplies has like essentially a, a document uh, documents where to find all the different stuff and connects people with vendors. So I think that like, as more people, as we get older and we take all our tech skills we get from our real jobs <laughs> and bring them to, uh, to, to the table for this kind of stuff, I think it creates more of an opportunity to let makers and artists and charity groups like talk and get known. So Join the map if you can, um, if you've got a franchise. And if you don't have a franchise, that's okay. You, you can still be a Ghostbuster. I don't have a franchise. Um, <laughs> I was like, I want to get a map. Submit, create your own patch. And yeah. Be like, uh, this is me, Ghostbuster of suburban Phoenix. Here's my patch. It's just a little <laughs> no ghost holding a, a stylus for a digital drawing tablet. <laughs> hey, I made some joke a few episodes back about how there was probably a Portland Ghostbusters who were doing something. And then like the next thing I knew, I was talking about a Portland Ghostbusters who were um, run, helping to run the Vicasa event, which I just realized I was supposed to get up this morning at 10 and try and get that firehouse this day. And what's wrong with me? Um, so I, <laughs> damn. Um, so if you are the person who uh, actually won that contest and will be staying in the firehouse, give me a call. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to know about your experience. You can be on this podcast. Uh, okay. So I think that rounds up headlines. Anything I left out that you can think of that you heard this week in news? No, not that I can think of. It's pretty comprehensive. There's a lot of stuff. It is more than comprehensive. There's a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, some weeks it's like, Hey, here's 15 minutes. Hey, here's an hour. Sometimes John, your cable comes on the podcast and we go, Hey, let's just take forever, like an hour and 12 minutes to get through. Let's talk, talk about, about the, the deadliest news. catch. Talk about the deadliest <laughs> catch. So now let's uh, take a moment to pause and then let's talk about John, your cable. Are you a Ghostbusters content creator, franchise member, or super fan looking to get information out to other fans? Look no further than the Extraplasm podcast. You can reach us at Extraplasm on Instagram or Twitter or via Gmail at extraplasmpodcast at gmail.com. We're ready to believe that you've got something to contribute. All 
All right, John. So uh, coming out of headlines, let's talk a bit about you and why you're here. Because um, I should have done a better job at the beginning of the podcast of being like, John, your Kaba is blank, blah, blank, 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 blah, blank, 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 blank. <laughs> um, you are a person who I have gotten to know from the Yes Have Some group therapy forum. But um, as I've known you, you have I knew you largely as a person who would talk about fandom and narratives and storytelling. And I would go, this guy's intelligent, smart. And then I realized <laughs> that you were also the person making a lot of art. Um, that I enjoyed. And I, I honestly, like we've talked about the fact that your art is hanging on my wall behind me at one point in our conversations, but like, I don't even know that when I was at FanCast that fan fest that I put together, that you were the same person who made the stuff that <laughs> I, like, I, I don't even know if I know that like at the time. Yeah. But, um, tell us a bit about sort of what you do, John, and sort of what you've been doing in the Ghostbusters community for a while. Uh, so I am a, uh, I'm a comic book artist uh, and just generally an illustrator. I've done a lot of non-comic book work, too. Uh, I've loved Ghostbusters since as long as I can remember. Um, literally, like, my my dad was an artist. Uh, it was just like a hobby for him. He did some commissions and stuff and, and entered some contests, but it was never something that he truly pursued as, like, a, a career, um, but seeing him do what he did and like bonding with him over that started me down that path. And then the way that I found my footing with it as when I was really young would be, you know, I'd, I'd be super excited about Ghostbusters and watching Ghostbusters and playing with my Ghostbusters toys. And then, you know, there would be times where for whatever reason, that wasn't something I could do. Maybe I was sitting in the back of the car or maybe I was. You know, it was raining outside, so I couldn't like go play outside mm-hmm. with my proton pack or something. And uh, and I would just sit down and start drawing Ghostbusters and writing my own like little Ghostbusters adventures. And that was really what got my creative juices flowing at a young age. And uh, and like that, that grew with me over time to encompass more things than than just Ghostbusters. Um, but Ghostbusters has always kind of been at the core of it. It's always been the thing that when I'm having an off day drawing or I'm having writer's block or or something feels like it's not working with whatever else I might be working on, I can step away from it for a second and then like draw Ghostbusters or like write something Ghostbusters related. And it's just like it. It's like how I center myself as a creator. It's it's just. It's something that's always there and something that I can tap into almost like on command. Uh, and it, I've had a lot of really cool opportunities over the years to to do some official stuff for Ghostbusters. Um, I uh, did a lot of artwork revolving around Ghostbusters Fan Fest. I contributed a piece to the official Ghostbusters art book that came out a few years back um, a couple years ago. Was it? can't remember if it was 2020 or I think it was 2021 um, for Ghostbusters Day. They had four limited edition T-shirts uh, that were designed by people from four different countries. And I was the uh, the representative of America. Uh, so that was kind of <laughs> cool. Um, it, that was a trip to to like, you know, when the day came and the shirts were released to people. And then suddenly you're seeing like. Jason Reitman and Finn Wolfhard and Carrie Coon are all yeah. posting pictures about like, here's my shirt designed by John Yurkeba. And I'm just like, 
what is my life right now? Like, what is happening? You know, like the official Ghostbuster social media is sharing videos of me drawing it and designing it. Yeah. And just like this feels weird and awesome. Um, and then, you know, I it's just something that I I feel like. I will always try to make time for like no matter what I'm doing. That isn't Ghostbusters. If something exciting is happening, whether it's like when Ghostbusters Afterlife came out, I, I drew a bunch of Ghostbusters Afterlife pictures. I did a a print for the uh, the party that happened the night before the premiere mm-hmm. uh, in New York City. And that was cool because the that print made it into the hands of um, Jason Reitman. It made it into the hands of uh, Logan Kim. It made it to McKenna Grace. I think a couple of the producers have a copy do you uh, know so that, that, that was, was really cool. that's a story that was referenced on this podcast previously about that getting to McKenna Grace? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. It, that that's still that um, story has spread a few times now because it was on. It made it to a crossroad <laughs> episode. It made it here uh, when Chris Stewart was here. So, yeah, yeah, um, that that was that was really fun. Uh, that was, you know, Jason Reitman and. Uh, Eric. And Erica uh, all came to that party the night before the premiere. And Eric was like, hey, uh, can you sign one for McKenna and we'll have it taken to her hotel to her hotel room? And I was like, yes, I could do that. And I was just like uh, <laughs> to McKenna. Welcome aboard. I, I don't remember what I wrote on it, but I was just like, what do you say? Um, excited for the movie. And uh, the next night was the premiere. Yeah. And so we're we're at the edge of the red carpet and she comes down the red carpet and she's signing things for people. And someone holds out that print for her to sign. And she goes, I have one of these. This is so cool. I, you know, I, I have one in my hotel room right now. I love it so much. This is amazing. And then literally at the same time, because like it was happening like a few, like a couple yards from where I was. Yeah. And she was like geeking out about it. And then simultaneously, everybody who was like witnessing it and hearing what she was saying just goes, he did it. And I was like, <laughs> hi. And then and I, like at first I was kind of confused. And then she was like, she was like, did you draw this? I was like, yes, that was me. And uh, and then she like came over and we geeked out about it for a couple seconds. And that was really that's cool. adorable. So was, I love that. It was definitely one of the highlights of that that whole experience of of going to New York for the premiere. That's great. Um, Yeah. A lot of, (laughs) lot of, lot of fun moments with Ghostbusters for sure. So you've been at this for a while and I, I like that you have an entire, like you have ideas. When I talk to you and we end up in conversations, it's like, (laughs) you don't just have feelings about movies you've seen. You have like entire, I think movies in your head. Like if not movies, you have entire yeah. like universes of like where things go in Ghostbusters, which is why I always find you so much fun to chat with. Because like as much as we've like taken a very long time to get to some points <laughs> today, not only like do you have an encyclopedic knowledge about Ghostbusters and its, you know, its narrative structures and narrative components, but like you think about storytelling and where it can go. And that's what I admire about you because like you're never just thinking about things as a fan, as a fan, as much as you're thinking about them, like, well, what could you create from this starting point? And I think that probably comes out of your, like, 
safe place for creating and your warm up place for creating being Ghostbusters. It's like you've had a lot of time to think about that and go through it. But like, I don't know. I, I keep wanting somebody to give you a comic book, like just <laughs> let you write a comic book. Someone should do it. So, yeah, like it's it's the dream, man. I, I appreciate that. It, it definitely comes from that. It, it like I got to a point in um it was probably around high school. I think it's probably always something that's been a part of me, but definitely, well, middle school, I think. Um, Cause for a long time, like I, like a lot of people that grew up in the eighties or, or at least have a foot in the eighties and, and grew up in the nineties and that kind of stuff that have that attachment to ghostbusters. Um, they also have an attachment to a lot of other things. Like a lot of people are like, I love Ghostbusters and I love Ninja Turtles and I love G.I. Joe and I love Thundercats and He-Man and on and on. And it's like they they love all of the yeah. stuff. I don't know what part of me made me this way. Maybe it's the ADHD. Maybe it's something else. But like I was very one track mind. Yeah. Like I latched on to Ghostbusters and that was it for me. Like I I remember having like dinosaur action figures from when I was really, really young. And I remember having, you know, some Star Wars toys. Like I had my own little box of Star Wars toys. But like the only thing I ever really cared about was Ghostbusters. Like I would use Luke and Leia and Han as like the civilians that the Ghostbusters were coming to save from whatever when I was playing with my toys. (laughs) Um, We had all of the Ninja Turtles movies on VHS and I watched them. I was like, oh, this is kind of neat. But it was just oh, it's nice that these are here, right. but I love Ghostbusters. And um, so I was very just like single-minded in that way. And then the next thing I latched onto was Power Rangers. And I didn't latch on as hard as I did with Ghostbusters, but it was like, oh, cool, Power Rangers. I like Power Rangers. Uh, and then it was like Beast Wars in the late 90s, around the same yeah. time that I was also like, you know, we had extreme Ghostbusters. So that was cool. And then from there, it was... When I was like 12, I started getting into anime with like Gundam Wing and Cowboy Bebop and Outlaw Star and Tenchi Muyo and all the stuff that they were showing on on a Toonami on Cartoon Network. Gotcha. I forgot about Toonami. I just that's like. Yeah. Yeah. Like those were the like those are like the defining chapters that like made me who I am as a creator. It's like Ghostbusters early on. And then there were a few other things, but then it was like, oh, anime, because that was a moment where like I was at that age where you know, like all your friends around you are starting to get to that place of like, oh, trick or treating is dumb. Uh, cartoons are dumb. I just care about <laughs> girls and cars and sports. And, and it's like nothing against you if like that's all you want to think about. But like I knew how much like the quote unquote childish nerdy stuff meant to me right. and how it made me feel. And I didn't want to let go of that. And so getting into anime, like I remember watching Gundam Wing, not knowing what it was, but just catching it for the first time on uh, Toonami. And here are these like animated characters having a very tense and mature, you know, discussion about political maneuvering and wartime (laughs) and all of this stuff. And I just had it was this moment of like, oh, oh, I this this animated thing, this cartoon is clearly meant for like people older than just kids yeah. to digest. Like right. I can appreciate this on a on an older level. I I don't have to stop liking cartoons. Right. This is amazing. And then it was like, I don't care what everyone else thinks. I'm excited to come home every night and watch Gundam Wing. <laughs> and it just like spiraled from there. And then once I got into high school and like, you know, you started having like the X-Men movies and the Spider-Man movies and all that kind of stuff. 
like that was when I got into comic books and it was perfect timing because it was like the early 2000s. So Smallville had just started and that was kind of my introduction to like the DC side of things and Superman and and all of that kind of stuff. And at the same time, you had. Like I was saying, the X-Men and the Spider-Man movies, and then Marvel had just launched the uh, they just launched the Ultimate Comics universe, which yeah. was like a modern day reboot of all of their you know well known mm-hmm. properties, and so it was like just this perfectly timed jumping on point for everything. And I the I was at a place where like I had carried this feeling since I could remember of like whatever I do when I grow up, I want to be a creator. Yeah. Like it's fluctuated between like, do I specifically want to be a writer? Do I want to get into animation? Do I want to do comics? Do I want to be a filmmaker? Do I want to do this? Do I want to do that? But it's always been in that realm of like, I want to tell stories. I want to create. Yes. And so. As I started getting more into comics, I started in like those comics and the stories that I was getting into were starting to have more and more adaptations in film and TV and animation. It's like I started to really come into this sense of like, I know what I like as a person on this side of the screen, just taking in film and TV and and comics and animation and stuff. And that really helped me start to um, figure out the kinds of stories that I wanted to tell the most and the kind of stories I wanted to be involved with the most. And it starts the way it does with everyone. Like you start doing fan fiction. I had like this ongoing story that I was writing about me and my friends being like the main characters of a Gundam story. And we're like, (laughs) Oh no, the war has come to our hometown and we have to pilot mobile suits and all that kind of stuff. And I like that you just did that. You realize you just did that, right? You just literally went into like anime, um, like voiceover character acting, which I thought was adorable. So I just want to say that. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. No, it's like, there's a very like when I am thinking about that stuff, like it's it just it's fully formed in my head. That's great. And it it just comes out. <laughs> and uh, and so like stuff like that was kind of where I stretched my legs for my own sake in the sense of like, oh, this is like I really enjoy writing. I really enjoy storytelling. How did they do that in this film? How did they do that in this show? Let me try right. to do that in this thing that I'm writing. And then that slowly like. I started to mix those kinds of things with these ideas that I've always had about like, you know, as a kid, a lot of people were like the kids from Stranger Things where they were like, well, I want to be Vankman. I want to be, you know, Stans. I want to be Spangler. And and they like it's all about like. Not not to like make it sound like it's a bad thing, but like worshiping that original film and trying to mimic it. Yeah. Or for me, it was always like. I my excitement when I was playing Ghostbusters or thinking about Ghostbusters was imagining when I was like 18, 21, Mm -hmm. whatever the age limit might be to like become a Ghostbuster in that world or like, you know, graduated from high school, whatever the requirements were and thinking about like, how will it have changed? What will be different? Right. Will I be working like will the original four guys be like the you know, the, the CEOs of the company now, and there's a bajillion (laughs) teams that they are all like keeping track of. Right. And maybe like I run my own team or I'm part of a team and we have to like call them up at the end of the day. Put yourself in We closed six cases today and we did this and we, and like, it was fun for me to imagine like, okay, well if I have my team and I live like, you know, 
in Austin, Texas at the time. I wonder if there's a team in like Indiana and and then like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if like we find <laughs> clues that were just like, what does this mean? But then we look at the database at the end of the day and I'm just like, that's weird. The people in Indiana are also picking up on similar. Maybe there's something that's spreading over the country and we have to coordinate <laughs> our effort. Like my brain would just like. And you do. You construct like a whole build world. this universe out. Yeah. That's why and I so think like, like when you talk, when I talk to you and you do this stuff, it's like you have so much already worked out so many times over. It's yeah. Fun. And it's that's always been a part of me. So when I think about like. Like when I think about what do I want to do with Ghostbusters without like getting into specifics, it's it's not even necessarily about like I want to turn it into, you know, like the fans have taken it and made like we have franchises and we do this. We do. It's not right. even like I have this specific goal of making it massive. Right. But I, I think about like. What's the next step forward or what is what would be cool to see that it makes sense that this would be the next thing based off the last thing that happened and wanting to see like everything that I've ever wanted to work on and been excited about working on. I I want to contribute something to it that makes it last a little longer. Yeah, that's I think that's my goal. Like I I. I want Ghostbusters to outlast all of us. I want kids 100 years from now to be watching Ghostbusters, you know, whatever year. I don't know. I, can't I just do thought of right Ghostbusters like, 2099 coming out of that Marvel stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, like some cyberpunk Ghostbusters where the Ectos are all flying and stuff now or whatever. Or you can like, go I backwards. Like I want that concept. Go backwards yeah. and make steampunk Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah. Do Tobin. Like I want it to outlive all of us. So that way, like, sure, maybe – in the context of the universe, every Ghostbuster station has that wall that right. has like, you know, our founders and it has a picture of the original four guys. But past that, all that matters is here's a group of people who use the equipment that we all know and love. Maybe right. it's a more updated version and their job is to go bust ghosts. And all that matters beyond that is like whatever story you're here to tell. What's funny and is like after Afterlife, I did it again um, after Afterlife, <laughs> I, I I messaged you about a particular thing and I remember it because I knew you were the person I needed to talk to about it. And I messaged <laughs> you and I was like, what do you think all the other dates were? Right. Like yeah. he, I, he, there's an entire like you could build an entire like television series or cartoon oh, yeah. or like comic book series out of all of the different cross rips and all of the different ends of the world that are cataloged on Egon's like big timeline of dates, which we presume yeah. is correct. Right. Like because. 84 like happened 2020 like they, they happened. So unless yeah. like, and, and does that mean that his like forward thinking dates are still a potential possibility, even though he averted this particular incident of, and it's like, yeah. I looked at that. There's a lot of like, there's so much there in that one frame. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's a ton of stuff and that's part of the fun too, is like being able to look at those things and not just, Take it for what it is, but from a creative standpoint, look at like, oh, that would be cool if like, you know, I can't remember a specific date, but like, you know, you look at one of those dates and you're like, oh, it'd be cool to imagine what happened there. Yeah. And then as you're telling that story, plant seeds for something else and then have those like lead to something that. Now the Ghostbusters is expanding. Right. Uh, a team has to confront in Minnesota or something like it's just like, how do you continue to just like plant things that are going to grow yeah. and, and take those opportunities to be like, 
to like seed the future of what the the story of this world can be. Like I had a Wolfenstein inspired Indiana Jones inspired like thing where I looked at the dates and I realized that one of them was like around 1940. Like it's like the uh-huh. start of World War Two. And I was like, oh, man, what if you had like. The cro- like the, the coming of Gozer almost happens because the Nazi and like allied conflict leads to the discovery of artifacts <laughs> in an Indiana Jones style hey, way. They, you yeah. know, they the Nazis legitimately they had a whole like paranormal you know, research weird division. science division. Yeah. So like that's what knows? Wolfenstein yeah. three like all the Wolfenstein games are about that concept. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, so you could do this there, very Wolfenstein, Indiana Jones ish take, you know, on I've, Ghostbusters. I've always said this. I, th- I think. Ghostbusters is labeled as a comedy and I totally understand why. And it's totally valid and it stars a lot of really funny people and there are some really funny moments in it. But I think it's been something that has been harped on to harped on to almost a detriment because I think on a base level, because of Dan Aykroyd's interest in the paranormal and how sincere he is about that, like we yeah. listen to him spout off, you know, jargon and, and terms and stuff and go like, this is ridiculous. None of this is real. But then like and and it's not that he necessarily thinks it's real, but it's it lives so vividly in his head mm-hmm. that when he's saying it, it sounds like something that is very thought out, even if it sounds ridiculous. And he grew up around it. It sounds like. Yeah. Like and that's so, the weirdest part to think about. It's like he was around people yeah. who were like, yeah, no, we are like, we're spiritologists or whatever, you know, like that's yeah. so, yeah. Like it is, it's in a weird way. Like I think about how Universal really wanted to create a dark universe and have like the mummy and Frankenstein and Dracula and all this stuff and connect it and try to find some way to put it all together and create a universe of like monsters. And in my head, I'm just like, Ghostbusters was almost like a Marvel movie before Marvel was a thing. Yeah. Like it has the perfect balance. Like it's not the same level of like sci-fi action spectacle. I'm not trying to say that, but that, that blend of like what is happening in the film is taken seriously to a degree. The people are reacting to it in a way that balances both serious and also kind of funny sometimes because it is kind of like, this has never happened before. I have no idea what I'm doing. Right. And it is about like these big, bold concepts of like the afterlife and ghosts and fighting ghosts and, you know, invading elder gods and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff and saving the world. And like the DNA of what would go on to be the basis of like the MCU is in Ghostbusters. Yeah. And I think that as long as that's something that is always there, as long as you can take that base level and treat it in that kind of sincere and earnest way where the story itself is taken seriously to some degree, then as long as you get the right performers who can come in and make the funny moments feel like genuine, just like it's funny because I could see myself reacting that way, or it's funny because It's like, of course, nobody is going to know what they're doing or everyone's going to freak out about this or whatever the case Mm -hmm. is. It's like to me, that's how a Ghostbusters movie comes together. That's that's where the magic happens. And I think that Afterlife did that perfectly. I think it was the and, and it also managed to like inject even more heart and like a little bit more of like a human level story 
into it than the previous two films had, which I thought was a great addition to it. Like I would love like now when I think about who would I love to see make a Ghostbusters movie like, yeah, it's 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 people like Guillermo del Toro. It's people like Jordan Peele. It's people like Mike Flanagan, people who are going to be able to deliver the spectacle and the creepy and the Mm -hmm. weird. But they're also going to be able to hit those notes of like, oh, that kind of tugged on my heart a little bit like. I, I, yeah, I just, I feel like there's, there's no, the something whole, that Ghostbusters Afterlife tapped up. into. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I, th- I think that there's, there's a lot of opportunity that's been opened up. But I think that like, look, passing a baton to Jason, right. Jason Reitman is the right move, but I also think it's, oh, absolutely. it's totally possible like, to no go, hey, Yeah. Like, yeah. But like, I think about the cartoon, right? Like go back to real Ghostbusters for a second. This is like a, cause I want to talk to you about cartoons. Cause I know like, you know, I could be like, Hey John, what do you, what do you want to do? It's your dream job. And I'm sure that like cartoon is definitely on the list, right? Like, Oh, it's yeah, it's on the list. Um, for sure. like one of the things I think is so excellent about real ghostbusters is that, and this is like, we, you and I have a little bit of an age difference, right? Like I'm born in 80, right? Um, like in 1980 mm-hmm. and you're born after me. Right. So like, yeah, um, 87, like 87. So like you come into it, like after the cartoon already exists, right? Right. For me, like I was four when I saw Ghostbusters. I like it is my mm-hmm. first entire movie memory. Like my first movie memory in general life is like I remember being in a theater and seeing pieces of Pinocchio and having a reaction to the whale scene and freaking out as a child. <laughs> and it's like one of my first movie memories is being like we need to leave the theater because I'm freaked out by Figaro the whale um, and sure. all the like <laughs> all the donkey boys and I don't like it. And um and the, so the Pinocchio for me was a no go, but, um, and, but I think about Ghostbusters was my first full, I remember watching this movie at a drive-in when I was four because my parents took us mm-hmm. to a double feature and figured we would eat KFC and pass out in the back of the Volari. And I didn't pass <laughs> out in the back of the Plymouth and stayed awake through the whole thing. Right. So for me, when I get to the cartoon, I already have this expectation of like, these are different versions of characters that I know, if that makes sense. But like, sure. I've seen the movie. I've seen it and it had come out on VHS and I'm pretty sure at this point, like my dad had started working in the video store so I could see Ghostbusters like pretty much when I wanted to. Um, right. Like, cause you could just bring it home. So I, I think about that period of time though, like when the cartoon came out, it was its own standalone thing. It was as much as it was informed by the movies and it was the same property. And certainly Sony was signing everything off the people who were writing those stories were not Ivan Reitman. It was like J. Michael Straczynski. Right? It was like people who were right. coming and doing this creative. I can yeah, watch definitely. the first, and this is the delineating point for those of you out there who were like, what happened to the cartoon after like season three is that the first two seasons of real Ghostbusters is something that is not being syndicated necessarily across ABC Saturday morning yet all over the country. And then people come in at executive levels and go, we'd like to make changes to the narrative because we think it would be more marketable and create better toys. Or we think the Janine character is the kind of offending people in middle America who are upset because she's too quote unquote risque looking or slutty or what like, and that's, and, but what's funny to me is that, you know, that that all comes out of, people outside of that original project, right? Like who yeah. were making, and who were, we're talking the real Ghostbusters first episode airs in 1987, like the year you're born. So it's like yeah. three years removed from the original project. 
when they make mm. it. And it's kind of the same thing, like people being inspired by a thing, but then going off and going, okay, what other stuff would you do with these people? Right? Like, right. To the point where even there's an episode where they take the movie and treat it as if it's a movie, right? Like, like the, yeah. the, the, the movie we all saw is an actual in animated universe, singular episode about making a movie. So yeah. It's um, super fun too. Like I love that you see glimpses of the movie when they're in the theater at the end and Peter's just like, that guy doesn't look a thing like me. Right. Like it's so fun to like twist it on its head like that. It is. And they did so many fun things with it in that way that I think, your like the way you conceptualize stories to me is very similar, right? That it's like you're not there. The thing you said about play, it's like lots of kids learn to play by emulating and copying. And that's like the criticism of like over commercializing play for kids is that they don't learn to tell their own stories. They learn to act out the stereotypes, the norms, the different things that are inside those narratives and what you're talking right. about is this sort of different thing of being like, okay, we'll assume the world is what it is now. And then fast forward 15 years, what would the Ghostbusters yeah. universe look like? Which is means I have the, I have the, I know I've been asking a question of people, but I'm definitely going to ask it of you <laughs> because I already know you have an answer because you've thought about it. You have to have, but I will get to that in a second. Um, okay. I, I think for, I want to ask you this though. What, if you had like, what, what, what do you want? Where would you want to put this most? I know I'm asking a question and like, what would you want to work on most to be able to take this kind of storytelling and do like, cause I know you're a great artist, right? Like you can do great print art. You tell stories. Thank well, you. like is animation the thing that would pull it all together and make you happy? Or what do you think? Oh, that's, that's a tough question. And, and I, I think that I'm kind of up for all of it. You know, comics are fun because it is such a, small scale team that you could be a part of. Yeah. And, and sometimes like depending on the project, you might be writing and drawing the comic. So you might like, be real quick for you a get writer and context for, yeah. for audiences. What, what comic work are you doing now? Just so folks know, cause I didn't, oh, we didn't say um, that. So currently, currently I'm uh, doing covers for uh, a series called Godzilla monsters and protectors all hail the King. It's kind of an all ages Godzilla comic book. Um, it's still a lot of fun, still has a lot of action. It's just not as gnarly necessarily, but uh, I'm doing all of the retailer incentive covers for that. Uh, before that, I've done covers for uh, Transformers Beast Wars. Yeah. I've done covers for Ninja Turtles. Um, so the, yours is like you've I'm worked also, in this industry is the point, right? Like, Yeah, yeah. and, and I've, I'm also uh, coloring a book called Tales of the Black Devil, which is kind of a... Uh, uh, a mystical horror, you know, adventure kind of story that I'm working on with uh, my friend Zach Roan. And, and that is, we should be wrapping up that uh, in the next month or so. So gotcha. that'll be hitting pretty soon too. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, I've done some stuff. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I, I wanted to make sure we say that before, like we continue to like talk about your work in the industry without actually acknowledging what it's been. <laughs> like, sure. Because, sorry. Um, yeah. So, I, I forget now I lost the train of thought that I interrupted you on and I'm sorry. Um, I think you were asking what, like, yeah, if, what like, would you what want to do? Yeah, do? yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not picky, honestly. I, I do think that like, if let's just like talk pie in the sky situations, right? Like if, if, if I got to write for a Ghostbusters series of some sort, 
I would not be annoyed that like I don't get to draw anything. If that's the case. <laughs> and if if I am doing character designs for a Ghostbusters animated series, I am not going to be annoyed that I don't get to be in the writers. Right. Um, would I love to come up with some dream role where I am, you know, in the almost in like the planning room, I guess, or like the brainstorming sessions where sketches and story ideas that are just like ideating and and like coming up with what is it that we're trying to create or flying back and forth at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be amazing. So then it's kind of like, like, Oh, we came up with the story idea just now. Hold on. I, what if it looked like this? And then I like draw it on the whiteboard real quick. And then I do a sketch and that sketch gets sent to like the design part department. And right. they get to develop that into what ends up in the show or the movie or something like that would be really cool and awesome too. Um, so uh, I mean, it's, there's nothing that I would turn down. Gotcha. I'll put it that way when it comes to Ghostbusters. Like if they were like, you want to do a comic? Yeah, I want to do a comic. You want to do a TV show? Count me in. You want to do animation? Absolutely. Want to get naked what do you think drop movies? Line? I love movies. <laughs> I, well, I mean, that's OnlyFans content. So. <laughs> but, um, well, I, I think that's great. Like, I, I think I want you to have more ghostbusting opportunities. I mean that like, and I'm not saying that just to be like, Hey, you came to the podcast and I enjoy talking to you. I really always enjoy talking to you because you've thought, you've thought so deeply about so many of these things. And like, I will tell you what I, if I ran the universe, I know what like <laughs> ghostbusters job I would want you to have. Honestly. Um, if you were not okay. like doing some sort of writing work in a sort of show running capacity of like, Hey, this is what our narrative universe is going to be. And this is who our characters are. And this is what we're kind of creating as a show Bible level for this. I think mm-hmm. it would be awesome if you had almost like uh, a ghostbusters DM job, like not an actual dungeon master, but like in the, but I get what you're saying where you're kind of like behind the scenes, you're a lore like, master. Ah, yes, things are, yeah, yeah, that like, would be very cool. like you're a lore master to me. And like I like I'm like saying this now, like if anybody from Ilphonic listens to this podcast and got <laughs> this far somehow to like, wow, what went on after we gave this guy a review code? <laughs> like if I worked at Ilphonic, I would call you and I would be like, hey, we know we want to do DLC on a regular basis and we need a content I, like, creator me, like who can let me tell you, you know, I have that is something I've already thought about. Not I mean, like I haven't like. I've already reached out to Ilphonic. No, I haven't I'm not <laughs> trying to be obnoxious off the bat or anything, but like, and then just, I went on this podcast to get endorsement from yeah. the fandom. I was like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, but like, like that, like it's, it's almost like a mental reflex. Like I watched Ghostbusters afterlife. I had my reaction to it. I got emotional. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I was with friends. It was a great time. And as soon as the chaos of that night wound down and I was just laying in bed, my brain was already like, yo, what if they, Oh, you remember how there was, what if that turned into, oh, that, and then like, I'm laying in bed at like 1am with my phone out, just like taking notes in my notes app. Like, think about this more after you sleep. <laughs> and, uh, and like, I'm, I'm already doing that with the game and it's not at all out of any sort of dissatisfaction with the game. The game's fantastic, right. but I'm already thinking of like, dude, it'd be awesome if they followed it up with 
whatever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, and I was saying part of that is like, I'm listening to dudes on TeamSpeak talk about that in terms of what they want to build. Right. Like, but yeah, you, you're doing, you'll do that at night at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> of like, what can we build with this platform? Um, what could this narratively do? Yeah. You know, my, my brain, my ADHD is sometimes it's a curse and sometimes it's, it's a gift and sometimes it's both. And, uh, there will definitely be times where I feel myself kind of getting tired and it's like a reasonable time of night, you know, 11 o'clock or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to go to bed. And then something, oh, no, like I it know could this be feeling. anything, whether it is specifically Ghostbusters related or I just like look at how a cup is sitting precariously on the edge of a counter. <laughs> and then I imagine like something knocking it off yeah. and it makes me like, oh, I should go move that cup so that doesn't happen. But then my brain will be like, bro, what if a ghost knocked that cup off? And then my brain will be like, well, why would a ghost knock the cup off? Why are they so invested in that cup? And then my brain will be like, what if it was a cup that they owned and somehow got left in this house? And then you realize, where did this cup even come from? And then you dig into the history and then suddenly my brain has written a yeah. Ghostbusters movie. Yep. And it's like, oh my God, I it's now 3 a.m. and I've written a Ghostbusters movie, but I haven't slept. <laughs> I, I'm, I have this very similar thing of like, I get to late at night and that's when I, like I've joked about it, but I'm like, I'm going to record the podcast at four in the morning. Right. And part of the reason is it's like mm -hmm. the, when I'm doing the solo episode by myself, or when I'm doing headlines by myself, it's like, when am I motivated to get this done? Like when nobody else is around, yeah. it's quiet, hundred percent. kind of be by myself and do what I want to do. And I'll get running on something. And to be real, like that's part of how I ended up finding way too many Hasbro toys and people couldn't find <laughs> is, uh, I found something. For I've sure. got a lead at two in the morning. I should go to bed, but I'm going to yeah. track down these shipping manifests and find some more stuff. So let's talk about this for a moment because we didn't um, I okay. two questions. I definitely want to talk with you about if that's cool, if we have time, because I'm like looking at for sure. Yeah, talk. we're good um, to go. One is I definitely want to talk to you about Ghostbusters Fan Fest for a moment because I don't okay. I don't know how many people realize this. I found this out like years later that like <laughs> everything that I received at Fan Fest that had any sort of piece of art on it that was like originally generated was basically something that you produced and like produced very quickly. <laughs> it was my, it, like yeah, you basically was... saved the visual aesthetics <laughs> of Ghostbusters fan fest. So, um, can you talk about that a bit? Like how did that happen? Yeah. Um, that was definitely an experience. Uh, they announced it initially what a year ahead of time it was like ghostbusters day in 2018 yeah. and then they were like yeah next year we're gonna do ghostbusters Fan yeah Fest. and you know just like everyone else i was like oh that's really excited i hope i can go it sounds like it's gonna be really cool um and the closer we got you know everybody was starting to have concerns about like you know are we gonna have tickets how much are the tickets gonna be what is this gonna be like we still don't really know a yeah lot. yeah and um I remember just like, you know, it was something that I was really interested in. And I had, you know, previously had some at that point, I already had a couple of interactions with a couple of people at um, Ghost Corps. And, you know, I I reached out and I said, hey, if you know, if there's if if you guys are interested in having, you know, a print or, or anything else like that or, I, you know, I didn't know who to contact at wizard world. Like right. it was very much like every, it was the point where everybody, whether you wanted to attend or be a part of it or anything was still in the right. dark. 
And so I reached out and I was like, and, and, you know, I don't know if you guys are going to have like tables or anything, but like, you know, I just want to throw my name out there. Like if, if there's any artistic needs of any sort, like count me in. And they were like, Hey, we're going to put you in contact with the people from wizard world. And I was like, yeah, sounds great. So this was, I couldn't give you a timeline. We were already starting to close in pretty quickly. And, uh, it, it was, Less than six months, I think, for sure. And um, I remember going back and forth with him and trying to figure out, like, they were like, oh, we saw your work. We really want to get a print from, like, some piece of artwork for the show from you. And I was like, cool. And then there was kind of like radio silence. And then I emailed back. I was like, do you have any idea of, like, what (laughs) you're looking for? Like, do you want what kind of ideas do you want? And I, I gave him a couple of things and they were like, well, do you think you could do a couple sketches and then, and then we'll, uh, and then we'll go from there. And I said, yeah, sure. And so it sounded like they wanted one, just like commemorative print, like something everyone was going to get. Yeah. And it would be the one, you know, art piece that, you know, one or at least one of the art pieces that they might have, but the one from me. And, uh, and so I, I pitched them like four, different things three or four different designs that were very much just like i remember one of them was you're looking down a street and it's the street is crowded with people panicking and they're all running like at you like looking at it it looks like they're all running toward you and then in the middle of the crowd you see the lights of the four proton packs running the opposite direction because at the far end of the street is this like huge like misty like mass and you can see that there's like something monstrous in it okay. so it's just this idea of like the ghostbusters are running toward the danger and then uh in my head like they hadn't i wanted to make this feel really epic because that's me and so like at the bottom i wrote uh and and it's like a celebration of like where ghostbusters has been and where it's going is what fan fest mm-hmm. is supposed sure. to be right and so at the bottom of the image and i i did this for all of the drawings but like at the bottom, I wrote today, tomorrow. Um, what did I say? Today, yesterday, today, tomorrow, never afraid or we ain't afraid or something like that. Something that yeah. just kind of felt like, ooh, it's like an epic version of like I ain't afraid. And, right. ghost. and it, it is timeless and, and all that kind of stuff. I wanted it to feel like the kind of thing that like it's an evergreen celebration of Ghostbusters sure. in one image. And so I had that one. And then I had another one that was them standing just like triumphantly on like a pile of just like bits and pieces representing like all of their biggest enemies and like memorable moments from like the movies, the cartoons, the game, everything just kind of like more focused on like, look at how cool we look. Um, And then had another one that was, okay. The last two were variations on a similar idea And it was uh, seen from it was like a a worm's eye view. So like a very low angle looking up as like a car is coming down the street and it's the Ecto one. But then all around the Ecto one are a bunch of other Ectos. And some of them you recognize like in the air is the Ecto two from real Ghostbusters. There's the car from answer the call. But then there's a bunch of just random like I I just made up a bunch. I don't mean to be laughing as you're telling me this because I need to tell you what the final question I'm going to ask you is. What's the next okay. Ecto-1 going to be? Because I knew you'd already thought about it. 
I have thought about it. Um, you can hold that for continue, continue your okay. story and we'll come back to that because I'm like, I am definitely going to ask so, you this before we end this podcast. I'll have today. To, I don't know if I've shown you this. I'll, I'll have to send you the, the picture <laughs> so you can see them because I literally just made up a ton of ectos with a ton of different vehicles. <laughs> and then it had like the guys and Janine kind of like as a faded image looming over it, but like looking triumphantly like into the future kind of thing. Yeah. And then like behind them was just like all of the ghosts from like everything Ghostbusters. And it was this idea of like, here's where we've been, but here's like the original Ecto and like every other conceivable Ecto that could come to be like charging into the future. And so I did one from that like low angle. And then I did a similar thing where it was like just from the side. And it, it was the same idea, just like yesterday, today, tomorrow, we ain't afraid. And uh, and I sent those to them and I was like, what do you guys think? Are, are any of these kind of tickling your fancy? And they were just like, we want all of them. And I was like, you want all of them? I thought you just wanted one. And they're like, no, we really love all of these designs. We can't pick. And so in my head, like. To me, like, especially those last two, I was like, these are literally the same idea, just almost different, from different takes. Angles. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, well, if you're open to having multiple prints, especially four of them, how about instead of this, I just like I think it would be really cool if you're going to let me do multiple prints. Let me do a print of every version of Ghostbusters. Let me do the originals, the girls, uh, real Ghostbusters, extreme Ghostbusters. And then at the time we had. I think the only thing we had from Ghostbusters Afterlife was the teaser with the Ecto-1 in the barn mm-hmm. and then the confirmation that Finn Wolfhard, Carrie Coon, and McKenna Grace were going to be in the movie. Right. And I remember I drew this print and I got one signed by Jason Reitman while he was there. But looking at it, once we started to know more about the movie, I, I'm just like, I don't need to sell this print anymore because, <laughs> like, you know, Finn Wolfhard is Finn Wolfhard, but, like... Carrie Coon and McKenna Grace, particularly McKenna Grace in that image, like doesn't look like she does in the movie, doesn't right. look like Phoebe. So it was just one of those things where in my head, I'm like, this isn't canon anymore. Get this out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and I tried to purposefully like in the image, Carrie Coon is like holding a Ghostbusters uniform. And at that point, everyone was already speculating, like, I bet they're related to Egon. But I didn't want to like put all of my eggs into that basket and then have it come out like, no, they're related to Ray and then have her like holding a uniform that says Spangler. Right. So I was purposefully trying to create something that was like, this will still be canon even after right. the movie comes out. Cause it's not committed to anything. Right. But then we saw what McKenna Grace looked like. And I was like, this doesn't even work anymore. Cause I literally just drew her as her. Right. And, uh, but yeah, I like, I drew a print of every version of Ghostbusters and I, And I pushed ahead with that and I was like, cool, this is great. I get to kind of represent everything. You know, I can, you know, I figured like these will all be like in people's swag bags and they'll get like a a five pack of prints that just represent everything. Yeah. Great. And um, we get closer to the date and then suddenly I have other people from Wizard contacting me and saying like, hey, we saw the prints. Are you interested in... um, and taking a look at some of our merchandise and seeing what you think of it. And if you have any ideas and I was like, sure. And they're like, we're really just like, we're open to anything. And I was like, okay. And they sent it to me and no offense. I'm sure they had a team that literally like sat down and said, what can we do? That's pretty cool. Right. But it was very much like we did it from the point of view of just people trying to create merchandise, not so much as people who 
know what Ghostbusters merchandise has been and what might mm-hmm. feel really cool and unique to the fans. And so I was like, hey, I am going to seize this opportunity to create the stuff that I would want right. if I went to like the merch booth at an event and it was all Ghostbusters. And so like, and I can show you this too. I, there were like these sheets of like, here's eight different kinds of shirts that we were thinking now, about. This is the here's part. Here's like three different backpacks. This is the part where here's, we have to go to, you know, to anyone who is listening who went to FanFest and is currently going, what are you talking about? There was no yeah, shirts. Exactly. <laughs> there was no backpacks. There was no, there, there, there was, understand that there, that John did the work to develop all of the things that you would have gone and been like, I'm going to buy this while I'm there. Um, and then you didn't. So sorry. I didn't mean to, yeah. like, I think it's always I, important I to think it, about that. Like how about a work you did, I, you know? Yeah. I thought it was literally going to be like, you know, you go to any convention and there's always like the big shirt stand yeah. that has like the shirts for the event or the ball caps or whatever. Like they had a bunch of stuff that they sent me that was all of that. And I was like, I can make this better. And I'm very excited to make it better. Give me, you know, give me a few days. And so like they had a backpack and it was really cool, but it just had this like, you know, the, the Ghostbusters font that was kind of slimy and then they just put it on the backpack. And I was like, and they had a, a, a dark gray one and a khaki one. So it was kind of like representing the two uniforms. And I was like, you know, it'd be really cool. What if you also had them and you could put like a patch on the back that said rookie? Because it'd be ridiculous to try and do custom patches. But if everyone could get a rookie backpack that feels like a uniform, awesome. Like it was little stuff like that where I was just like, how can how can we make this a little cooler for the people who are going to be here and who have bought all the shirts from Hot Topic and all the shirts from Walmart and all of the exclusives from online shops and all that kind of stuff? Like, what else can we give them? And I, I remember I found out that uh, Dan Schoening and Tim Laddie and some other like artists who had worked on Ghostbusters were going to be there. And I didn't know what their schedules were or how busy they were. But I had this idea of like, I think it'd be cool to do a um, like a limited edition, like artist shirt. And so get each artist to do a design that would go on a shirt. And then, you know, this would be the only place you could get them. And so that was my way of like knowing that I was going to do all of these drawings of like each of the different versions of Ghostbusters, well, I could repurpose one of the original things that I pitched and that could be like my artist shirt design. Gotcha. Where it's like, oh, I got the John Urquaba shirt. Oh, I got the Dan Schoening shirt or whatever, you know? <laughs> and uh, and so I, I sent all this stuff back. I kind of even down to like tweaking the logo a little bit and being like, oh, since you have the logo and you have like, I, something was written in slime underneath it or they had it, it was a very just like we took the logo and then we took the the like the the writing, like the text, and we put it under the logo. And I was like, OK, what if you take that and you curve the text to go along the outside of the logo and it's slimy and then you just like on the tip of one of the ghost fingers, you made it like slimy. So it looks like they leaned out and like wrote whatever the slimy text. Is. Right. Like little stuff like that. So it just feels like, oh, this is kind of neat. And uh, so like when you look at. What we did get, which was the uh, the like the the satchels or whatever that had some of the stuff in there, all of the logo designs. I mean, like, obviously, I didn't design the Ghostbusters logo, but like the font <laughs> and the, the right. Like, Just want to make back that in time. I replaced people and, uh, you know, <laughs> so then I got a time machine. Yeah. Um, no, I like all of all of that, uh, like the the lettering, the font, the uh the 
the way it's all put together around just the basic Ghostbusters logo was me. And then when you walked into the event, so this is the other thing. So I did that and they were like, oh, this is very cool. Thank you. Um, can you also do this? And this is where it started to get a little crazy. We're getting closer and closer to the event. And they're just like, can you also do this? And I was like, sure. And so they wanted like a giant banner for when you first walk in. They wanted some other little bits and pieces that they could turn into like uh, patches and potentially put up in other places. They wanted uh, this was the big thing that constantly kept changing. They wanted like when you go to a theme park and you get the little brochure or it's on display when you first walk in, they wanted a map yeah. of where everything was that people could look at and be like, cool, this booth is over here. The food is over here or whatever. And uh, that was I was very excited about that. But as everybody who went to FanFest knows, like originally it was going to be two days. Originally it was going to take up, you know, just Sony Studios. Right. Then it was going to be like Sony Studios and like the parking lot outside with a bunch of food trucks. Then the stuff that was in the parking lot outside was going to be just a like a generic Wizard World event that was connected mm -hmm. to FanFest. Then that went away. I drew a map for every iteration of that. Oh, my God. And I'm already thinking like, oh, I'm just going to have to do this once and then maybe make some minor changes depending right. on if something's in the wrong place. So I'm putting in little Easter eggs like there's a photo booth. And in the photo booth, if you look on the map, it's like Craig and Abby and Jake from Yes Have Some taking a selfie with Vigo. <laughs> and like on the main stage, like you can see. I think I had like Gozer shredding the electric guitars. Like it's little stuff like that, that I was like, I want to make right. this feel like a fun theme park map kind of thing. And then like every time I turned it in, they were like, this is great. Can you change this? And it was some like broad change of like, Hey, we're going to add a whole other half to the event. Right. Hey, we're going to add this. Hey, we're going to add that. And I was like, Oh, uh, okay. I can do that at the same time. Then they're like, hey, you gave us four things. We're just going to do one print. Can you pick one? And I was like, huh? Or like five things. And they're like, yeah, we're just we're just doing we're, we want to do one lithograph that we're going to put in everybody's swag bags. And I was like, OK, hang on. So then and I, I think this is the one that you have hanging up. Yeah. It's I went and I took all of the individual images of each team, each version of Ghostbusters, you know, original, real, extreme, answer the call. And I found a way to like get them all on the same uh, the same canvas, the same image. And I was like, OK, here this is. And then like if you look in the background of that one, you see all the little ghosts. Those are the ghosts that I had uh, put in the initial one of the initial sketches that was like all the Ghostbusters, all the ghosts, yeah, all yeah, the ghosts. Yeah. I just like copied and pasted those out of that and put it into. Yeah. Uh, that final version because it's like in the background and it's very faint. I'm turning around looking at it now and it's all like purple line drawing, right? Like, yeah, yeah it's yeah. very cool. Yeah. And uh, so I did that and I was like, cool. Whew, okay, done. That's done. Here's your one image. And then I thought, well, that's cool because I still have the original like full size individual ones. And that's what I'll have at my table at yeah. my booth. Like I will have like you can come and get just an extreme Ghostbusters print if you want that or whatever. And uh, and that turned out to be cool because then like they had a lot of the actors and the voice actors there. So I got all of their signatures on, right. you know, whatever. And that was the thinking as well, like knowing that they were going to have so many people there. I wanted to create something that people could take and go to them and get their signatures sure. on because you might not travel with a ton of stuff you want to get signed. Right. 
but I wanted to make sure everyone had something that represented everything that they could collect their signatures on if they if they needed something. Um, so I did that. And then literally like the map just kept changing up to the last minute. <laughs> and the last one I did was literally like I had planned out, OK, I'm going to leave on this day. I'm going to get there. I'm going to I think I stayed the first night in the hotel with um, everyone from Yes Have Some because they had also gotten there early. And I knew I needed to like take care of some stuff when I first got to L.A. And then the next day, I think, was when because they did cover like they put me up in a hotel as a, like a guest of the convention. And that and I was really kind. Of yeah. Them, and I appreciated that. But it was a. Uh, <laughs> I, I remember thinking like, OK, I have this all planned out. This is how it's going to happen. And as I'm finishing, like doing my final, like, OK, I have this. I have my drawing stuff. I got my clothes packed. I got this. I get an email that's like, do you think you can change this? And so I was like, OK, I'm going to change it. And I did it. And I was like, I have time. I'm still going to make it on time. And I sent it. And in the email, I said, as soon as I hit send, I am literally taking my bags and getting in my car. Right. I will. This is the final change. It must be the final change. I will not be here to receive any further emails. And so I sent it and I was like, and now I'm headed to FanFest. And uh, that was that was the story of FanFest. And yeah, like you said, like none of the none of the shirts or any of the, the backpacks or any of that came to fruition. But, you know, it. <laughs> It was cool to show up and and see like, you know, you walk in and there's a giant banner with like Slimer and Stay Puffed and a terror dog that says, you know, welcome to Ghostbusters Fan Fest. And I'm like, this is massive. And it's hanging over Sony Studios right. where Ghostbusters was made. And a week ago, I was drawing this on my tablet in my apartment. <laughs> like, this is insane. And then like, you know, taking a picture to like the giant next to the giant size map and then seeing the little you know, booklets that everybody got, which yeah. they had a cover from Dan Shoney and that was great. It was just like a fun, no ghost logo wearing a proton pack, mm -hmm. but then to like flip it open and like, there's the map in there too. And it just, this, it was really cool to like, I, I feel weird talking about it. Cause I, I try to stay pretty humble. Cause I, I don't, you can take I, credit for things you do. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's cool to, it's cool to like, show up at a place that already is like so significant to you because yeah. of how much you love Ghostbusters and like the Ectos are there and, 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 but then see like this celebration of this thing that you love happening. Yeah. And it's using the imagery that you created to do it. Like that was a really special moment for me. And I remember like my wife was there and she spent the day like sitting with me at my table. And then whenever cool stuff was happening, like they were interviewing all the directors. She's like, no, 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 you go. I'll hold down the table. That's awesome. And she was like selling my prints for me at one point. And uh, and like I, I remember like I would go back and I'd be like, how'd it go? And she'd be like, well, Ernie Hudson walked by. He said this was really cool. I was like, really? <laughs> and, like, it, you know, it was it was so cool to have her there. And like by the end of the night, I remember like. I carted up all my stuff right before Ray Parker Jr. got on stage, took it back to the car in the parking garage, came back. I was like it had started to get kind of chilly. So I put on yeah. a Ghostbusters hoodie and, you know, he's playing the theme song on a loop live. And, <laughs> you know, all these people that I call my friends are there, like the cast and crew of so many of the versions of Ghostbusters are there. I'm with my wife. And like toward the end of the night, I just had this moment where I just like. 
I'm sure part of it was exhaustion yeah. from the day. I'm sure part of it was exhaustion from like creating all that stuff sure. stressfully in the lead up to it. And part of it was just the experience of realizing how much a part of it I had had the opportunity to be and how significant that felt. Yeah. And I remember my wife like put her arm around me and asked me how I felt and I'm getting choked up talking about it and thinking about it right now. But like it just hit me and she told me she was really proud of me. And I just like I started sobbing <laughs> as like the Ghostbusters yeah. theme song is blaring through the air around me. And it, it, like it's. It may be it's definitely like a top five moment of my life. It's awesome. Sure. Like, you know, and, and I've had the cool opportunities to go to like the premiere of Answer the Call, the premiere of um, Afterlife. Yeah. And hopefully there will be more stuff to come. But it, it was it was absolutely one of those moments where I looked around and I was like, I like, yes, the event itself obviously could have gone a lot better. Yeah. But for what it was. Like I had this moment of like, I can't make this moment better. Like this is perfect it's right part now. Part of why I wanted and to like, it was really special. It's part of why I wanted to invite you on and have you tell the story of it. Because like it, when I first heard this was like, I think it came out as like a passing reference on a, um, like a, a zoom hangout or something. I think through yes, have some podcasts like Patreon mm-hmm. discord forum where somebody was like, remember that time John made all the artwork for it? And I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. And I was like, wait, I, he Craig made likes all to this bring stuff. That up like, sometimes. Yeah. Right. And it's just like, I'm like, that's a thing that like, to me, I'm like, people need to know that you did it because of the simple fact that like you made so much work. Like, so did any, does any of that exist digitally or whatever? Like, that's the thing people should like, where people find your artwork. Like, cause you, you produce, you get bored and make a good art, make awesome Ghostbusters artwork and post it for everybody for free. You're like, Hey, it's Tuesday at yeah, three o'clock in the true. afternoon. I'm warming up to draw something else. So I'm going to draw four Ghostbusters pictures. that will knock your socks off and just leave them here. <laughs> like, and you go, who is this guy? Like what? He did four of these today. Like what the hell? Like, yeah. Um, where people find you, John? Uh, I am on all the social medias, uh, all under the same handle, uh, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Uh, you can find me at uh, John Yurkaba four J O H N Y U R C A B A, and then the number four, uh, all is one word. And yeah, you just look that up anywhere, or just Google me. Like uh, my yeah. online portfolio will pop up, uh, and I also have links to. Um, like if you go to my Twitter or my Instagram, there'll be a, a link tree link and that'll lead you to, um, my online portfolio, my other social media, uh, the, the web pages for some of the stuff that I'm working on and, and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So and that, that's how you can see what I'm working on, what I'm making, what, what you have I, made, you can keep yeah. up with me. Like, yeah. and I say that because like you have produ- you produce so much stuff, like, and it's like. You know, if you're the kind of person who just like likes to go look at, yeah, I need to spend my lunch looking at artwork that makes me happy. Go, <laughs> go look at John's stuff because it will make you happy. But I am gonna, we are. I think it's, if it's okay with you, we're gonna close on this question because you sure. brought it up. I have been saying this is my recurring question that I've been asking a few different people. I'm ready to move on from 59 Miller Meteor. Not because I don't want it okay. in the next movie. I love the car. I love it. it I'm always gonna love it. I, I, I want. If I had one of my own, yeah, it'd be great. Absolutely. But, you know, like actually it would probably be a total pain in the ass and I would regret it, but, um, because <laughs> it would cause the fortune to maintain. But I think about this a lot that you can't keep doing this forever with this car. Like that there's a point where, you know, they can't keep maintaining this. And even in narrative universe, 
my running mm-hmm. I, my running joke is I keep saying that I'm looking for Ray and Winston to have conflict in the next movie because Ray wants to do everything the old way. And Winston's like, we have technology and money and we have the tools and the talent. <laughs> like, And so we're going to buy more tools that, to get more talented. Conflict, and they have this like sort of dilemma about Ray wants to be old and steampunky and Winston wants to be new. <laughs> and the only way they can solve things yeah. at the end of the movie is when they come together and take some old piece of tech and combine it with some new thing and cross some technological yeah. streams. But leaving that aside, sure. all of this has left me to wonder what would the if if Winston was to come across and go, here's the deal. The old girl stays in the garage and it's like our display piece and we're not taking it out to drive mm-hmm. much anymore. And he decides he's going to replace the car with all of his money. What does he replace the car with? So I've definitely thought about this uh, in the past and I've thought about it from a couple different ways. I, I've definitely, I remember back in like 2014, uh, I got an itch that I felt like had been coming for a long time and I needed to scratch it. And I sat down and, and wrote, what would I do if I was going to make a Ghostbusters three? And the idea that I had in that was, um, and this is obviously like before afterlife, before answer the call, before any of that stuff. And I was just kind of imagining, you know, what if in that world, Ghostbusters just kept going, like it, it never stopped, yeah. you know, things progressed and, and we jump back in and they are just like fully operational with like stations in multiple cities and stuff. And my thought was that you like, for the sake of ease and for the sake of just, you know, having that uniform vibe as a, as a, as a organization, the original Ecto one would be, you know, similar to ghost core. Like yeah. they would give it a nice polish. They would keep it up, but it would be on display in the original fire. Yeah. It's in the museum and piece. it would be yeah. advanced. In a, yeah. Yeah. And similar, like I remember living in LA, they would have like, you know, the, the firefighters museum mm-hmm. and it was just like the history of firefighters. And I was like, wouldn't it be cool if they had like a different site, in New York nearby that was like the functional headquarters of Ghostbusters, but maybe the firehouse became the like Ghostbusters museum and you walk in and that first floor is preserved to look exactly like how it was when they were like in their gotcha, heyday. Yeah. And like the Ecto one is there. Janine's desk is there. You see display cases, almost like the bat cave with uniforms and proton packs <laughs> and stuff like that. And, uh, but then as far as what they would use in the day to day, it would be some sort of vehicle that, is like available accessible it's modern like i'm not trying to make it super sleek and it's like got jets and and it can hover and it's crazy but i like i think the closest i'd ever seen to somebody actually doing it was um fernando uh a member of the community who does a lot of really cool uh custom stuff he used to have his own ecto that was made from a forerunner gotcha and to me that was when I looked at that, I was like that. That's that's what I imagine like modern ectos would be and what would be like every station just has that. Right. And I also really love the idea that you would have like that would be the main ecto. But then you'd have kind of like how um, uh, at fire stations you have the fire engine, but then you have the smaller like just normal car that is painted that color. And then it has like the single siren on it for like when the chief has to yeah. go, get in and like go to the scene of something or is like running a small errand or like doing the unfortunate task of going. To I thought someone, about like, the hey, paranormal your, your investigator make it. I thought about the paranormal investigator contractor, right? Like mm-hmm. you get your cable installed by Time Warner. 
Sometimes a Time Warner yeah. truck shows up or Spectrum. Sometimes it's just like some guy in a Jeep Cherokee with magnets on the doors. <laughs> just like yeah. Spectrum contractor. <laughs> it's like, what yeah. if there was a bunch of that? But like, <laughs> that would, that'd be fun. But, but like my standard in my head was always like you have the main Ecto, which would be some sort of like full size SUV that could accommodate the team and like the packs yeah. in the back. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be straight off the lot, a white one with stripes and logos and everything. It could be, you know, customization to some degree, like make it look like this is a Ghostbusters Mm -hmm. car now, obviously. And then with the stuff on the roof. But you'd have that and then you'd have the like, oh, if we're just sending out a two man team for an initial investigation or to do some sort of like small scale task that doesn't involve like let's roll out a whole team, you'd also have that. So each station if it had one Ghostbusters team in it, would have the big Ecto and then the smaller car. Um, but so like that's one part of me that really loves the like uniformity of like everybody's driving the same thing. There's another part of me that also loves or at least is interested and kind of entertained by the idea of what if everybody just gets their own like old hearse? What if everybody gets uh, like it doesn't have to be uniform, like they're all the same model, but everybody has that sort of like Cadillac hearse of some sort. So it like it fits the profile and you would be able to be like, oh, that one, that's the one from Louisiana. That one, I can tell that's the one from Cincinnati. That's clearly the one from Los Angeles because like they're all slightly different, but they are all clearly ectos and they are all like they all are the same kind of car. Right. Um, so I thought that would, that would be cool too, just to, cause like there is a lot of fun that comes with that idea of like, like, yes, the original was an ambulance, but like it's, it's, you know, it looks, it's close enough to a yeah. hearse. And I feel like there's a lot of fun with that idea of like the Ghostbusters drive around in a hearse. Sure. Like, and that's and kind of like, there's, they prevent death from hat, like, so yeah, I mean that where they you know they if they don't prevent death they they deal with death and dealing with what's after right. it so it makes kind of sense that they yeah re- have a repurposed hearse yeah yeah and so I I like the the you know that vibe and so that is what makes me kind of like oh I I, I could dig it if it was just like everybody has their own old hearse right. but I feel like you know eventually you do run into that issue of. You know, well, if they're all driving old hearses, even if they're newer ones, eventually they're going to be, you know, like if you want them to have that body type without looking like they just went and got a brand new hearse from like the, you know, the neighborhood funeral parlor and you want it to have like the fins and everything else, like they're going to be older models and they are all eventually going to, you know, the wheels are going to fall off. So I don't know. It's it's. It's an interesting question. I absolutely don't think it should be some unceremonious thing where it's like, oh, we don't care about the old right. one anymore. No, I don't either. It should be like in the when I wrote that, like, OK, here's here's what I would do with Ghostbusters three. The story was like everything is like in the present. They've all already got this like fleet of matching ectos and everything. And this there was this idea that like something that they hadn't solved from back in the day was kind of coming to rear its ugly head. And so there was this sense of like, even though Ghostbusters had been functioning so long with the original guys as just the CEOs, this was a moment where they were like, no, we're going to help be the ones who finish this because this was our problem first. And so there would be this moment where like 
everything goes to crap, chaos across the city, and they have to get to where something is happening. And so this car that had been on display, they finally like basically like break it out and like it's it functions as almost like a rallying cry because it hasn't been used in so long. Mm -hmm. And then it starts like speeding down the street. And, you know, there's multiple Ghostbusters everywhere and they all see the original Ecto-1 and it's kind of this moment of like, okay, guys, we can do this. Come on. Like, <laughs> this is like, it's that thing that kind of amps them up yeah. to like gear up for the final battle right. when everything seems like it's at its lowest point. So, but I feel like with Afterlife, like until we get to like a Ghostbusters endgame kind of situation, yeah. I feel like Afterlife kind of gave us that moment of like, the old girl's still ticking. Mm -hmm. And, and it makes sense that like Winston coming in, taking over, bringing the funding, bringing the business, yeah. you know, acumen and everything. He's going to look at if we're going to expand, let's do it right. If we're going to grow this company, let's do it right. And it does mean that we're going to like eventually we're going to need more than one car, even if it's just because now we have two teams operating out of the firehouse right. or something like that. Like they're going to need more than one car. And so, yeah, I, I think it could go in multiple different ways. It could also end up being like they design a custom Ghostbusters car because <laughs> they can't get the original, you know, 59 Cadillac parts anymore. But that is an aesthetic that they are really attached to. Right. And so Winston is like, well, let me talk to one of my guys in my fleet division from my excuse me, from my other company, from one of my other companies or something. And he's going to design a car that will be the car that everybody gets outfitted with the same way that like they custom make Batmobiles for every Batman movie like that right. kind of thing. I've, I've joked that where, if you did this as the storyline in the movie, you could have like Winston say, we're getting Tesla's. We're moving away from, from fossil fuels. We have proton packs that generate <laughs> energy. It makes no sense, Ray, for us to keep doing what we're doing. We're getting rid of this because we're moving to electric cars. And Ray is very upset because he's like, what are we going to do with the Ecto-1? You can't do this. And at the end of the movie, like Ray shows up to help save the day, but he's in the Ecto-1 that he has recon he's converted himself. He's like put a Tesla mm -hmm. battery pack and a Tesla engine in it and just drives it. But like there's a whole fight in it where like, Winston's like, look, the car can drive itself to the bus. We can be doing stuff if we had Teslas, right? You can't do that with the, with the Ecto. I love the old girl, but it doesn't make any sense, Ray. And Ray is just beside yeah. himself like, do you know how many hours I spent leaning over the hood of that car with my butt in the air? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, and yeah. then he shows up at the end, screaming in the car, but the car has been converted into a, it's almost like an electric here, Ecto. Compromise. Yeah, no, it is. It's like, it would be the perfect way to like, it's very cheesy and it's like, ter they should not make this well, movie yeah. at all, but like. No, kind of but funny. like that idea of like how do like that's something that I've thought about, too, because like there's certain imagery about Ghostbusters that is iconic, especially yeah. if you're staying in the same universe as the original films. Like you recognize the silhouette of the proton pack and the ghost trap and the car and, yeah. and certain stuff like that. And so even as things evolve and you start to introduce new technology, better technology, more compact technology, like. I feel like you still have to preserve that silhouette of like the pack is this shape with the four lights at the bottom and the ion arm coming off. And as long as it's something like that, you can clean it up a little bit. You can have less like like all the little like black, yellow, red, blue wires that are just kind of like strung across the pack. If your next step is you want to say like, oh, 
we found a way to condense all the external wiring to be internal. So it's just much cleaner and much more user friendly. Right. And it's not going to get caught on things as you're running in pursuit of a ghost. Cool. Like to me, that is enough of a change that like it feels like, oh, we're we're thinking about where mm-hmm. this goes next. But we're also not drastically altering right. the silhouette and the shape of the equipment. And I think that sort of mindset is what you have to do. And and I was talking to I was talking to a couple other people about this, but like in the 90s, especially with anime, like if you look it up now, it's called cassette futurism. And it's this idea and this aesthetic of like, what if the things that we had in like the 90s, like peak 90s technology, we never evolved past that. Right. So instead of being like, oh, we have streaming now, there's no need for physical media. We just continued to develop better and better physical media players or we continued to develop better and better, you know, whatever's like that sort of thing where it's like, what if peak technology and Ghostbusters, you treat it like cassette futurism where it's like the proton pack is the proton pack and it continues to be that size and shape. Mm -hmm. But maybe what changes is like, internally or like little customizations or the how clean the like build is of it or something so it is always the proton pack but there's little aesthetic things that make it look like oh this is clearly like the new and that's kind of like when you look at to bring this kind of full circle as we wrap things up for this week i think uh you know like i think that you look at ghostbuster spirits unleashed that's precisely what it does yeah. Right. It's it, like, here is the base. Sure. Like it's a, it's a base proton pack and this is what it looks like, but then you can add on all these different components and it like leaves. And that's, what's funny. Like it's making all these massive changes to the weaponry that you would use, right. Or the, uh, the, the equipment set, but nobody's playing the game and being like, it's a go. Come on, man. It doesn't look like a proton pack. Like what? Instead it's people sitting around talking about how they can make <laughs> versions of what they're seeing, you know? And cause it keeps that, that lineage true. I think you're right. You know, so, um, I got, and like, I, I, it feels, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you go ahead. I was going to say, I think that we both are in agreement that, uh, you know, you don't get yeah. rid of the Ecto one. You don't eliminate it. It would be like no. throwing away. And I, I don't want to see it destroyed the same way that you can destroy a Batmobile every movie or every two movies. And then be like, here's the yeah. new Batmobile. No, like the Ecto one to me is an iconic thing. And when you destroy it, it's going to be like destroying the Starship Enterprise for the first time in the Wrath of Khan. Like it's going to be like people like, yeah. what did you just do? You can't blow up the Enterprise. But then after you do once. It's okay to like do it every other movie, right? Night to me, I'm like, yeah. I don't want well, and to like the one, you know. But I do want to see new at vehicles. some point. Yeah, if at some point during the first Ghostbusters movie, Ecto One had gotten crushed by debris, and then the movie ended by them, yeah. you know, rolling out of the firehouse because they're still in business, and then all new Ecto One, right? Cool. Like now there is an established pattern of like the car is disposable. Mm-hmm. We can make new ones that are even cooler. Right. But that car has stuck around. And I think at this point, like you retire it and you display it. You don't just like, oh, no, it blew up. Right. And even if it did blow up, you let that shock set in. But then you end the movie by, you know, revealing that, you know, Ray made a replica or that's when you reveal like, you know, that the <laughs> one a does a separate car. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you, yeah, I don't know, something like that, just for the sake of saying like, but we still have this one and this one is going to get preserved <laughs> and not blown up or something. But yeah, I, I agree. We're definitely in agreement. I think that it's, the, and this is something that I think is a tricky line that a lot of it, it kind of, it's a tricky small detail sometimes, but it makes all the difference. 
and it's you know like the difference between treating the things that have come from previous iterations and previous films are you treating it like a nostalgic easter egg or are yeah. you treating it like the texture of the world and like continuity right. i think there's a danger in treating it just like nostalgia and easter eggs right because then it's then it's a very like you see what we did there and you're just like winking at the camera mm-hmm. but if you treat it as like of course the ecto one is here it's a part of this world right. like you should expect to see it it's like it makes sense that it's here and it's natural that you would see that on display in the firehouse or it's natural that this thing would happen or this character or if it was like the chief's this, car whatever like the chief's car in the fire department where it's like the chief may yeah. have like a or like know, yeah like i don't think we ever like i can't imagine a movie where like we want to have like a ghostbusters funeral the way you have funerals for firefighters no. or something but it's that sort of like oh it's a big ceremony or like now it's the parade car. right like if the ghostbusters save the world and they want to do a parade they let the original come out and be in the yeah. parade like that kind or of if thing. they're going to go and like um, show up for a media event that's what they drive up in because that's yeah the iconic yeah like vehicle. when they're shooting their commercials for right. like call us for your paranormal needs they have the original car like in the background, surrounded by like all the new cars, because right. this is what we're going to roll out to your emergency situation. Along like with that this kind of Toyota thing. Corolla. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that kind of thing where like it's like there's a fine line between like we're so worried about nostalgia that we never move on. And we're so worried about getting away from what was that it starts to feel less and less like there's continuity. Yeah. There's got to be that fine line where you can walk into uh, a Ghostbuster station, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. And there will always be that wall that's like our founders. And then yeah. it has a picture of the original four guys or a digital hologram of the original four right. guys, depending on how far into the future it is. But then as long as you establish like, yes, that matters and that's in continuity, mm-hmm. then you can have the freedom to like figure out what comes next I want and, and have fun with what that's one animatronic is. version of Ray stance <laughs> who stands there a hundred years. Welcome later on. to Ghostbusters. Yes, exactly. He's like, welcome <laughs> to the hall of Ghostbusting. <laughs> <laughs> cadet. Uh, what he it, calls uh, everyone early cadet. old school, <laughs> old school, old school. If you go back and listen to like probably the first, Definitely within the first 50, maybe fewer than that. But like early, early episodes of Yes, Have Some Podcast, they had this ongoing joke about something they called the Danfrontation. <laughs> and uh, it was probably one of the first things I ever drew for them. This idea that like it was it was them just riffing off the humor of like Dan doing. Yeah. Crystal head signings at a CVS and also like what if there was a Ghostbusters ride at Universal (laughs) in the present and all this stuff just kind of like and then just, you know, making Uncle Dan jokes and all this stuff kind of like coalescing into this idea that they called the Danfrontation where like the ride is like you're in a CVS cart and Dan (laughs) Aykroyd dressed as a Blues Brothers chasing I'll have, I'll have to dig this up. I know it's somewhere and like show you this picture too, but it just reminds me of like an animatronic race stands would absolutely be something you see in the dance. That's amazing. <laughs> just like almost there. Cadet. Eh, eh, eh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, on that note, John, thank you for coming on today. Um, I really enjoyed our conversation. 
Um, and yeah, man, any, anytime. This was a lot. Any of fun. final things you want to plug before we uh, we sign off for this week? Um, not that I can think of. Like I said, you can find me across social media at John Yerkeba Four. Um, I you know I pop up in the Yes Have Some Group Therapy uh, group on Facebook. Um, I am working on Godzilla covers. I'm also working on a really cool comic called Tales of the Black Devil. Cool. Uh, and that new issue is going to go to print in early December. And, uh, you know, it should probably be out beginning of January. Um, and you can find out about that on my social media. Um, and yeah, just... I'm always drawing stuff. I'm always posting stuff and, and I love Ghostbusters. So if, if those are things that you are interested in, give me a, a follow and you can come check that stuff out. Awesome. Thank you for joining us this week. And uh, that's going to wrap it up for us on Extraplasm this week. If there's something you'd like to get in touch with the podcast about, you can reach out to us at Extraplasm on Twitter, Extraplasm on Insta- Instagram and Extraplasmpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, as we often sign up here and say, and as Ernie Hudson would say, try to have fun and always keep on busting. Take care.